Hey, everybody. How's it going? This is Joe Mignoso from Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's, the One Chicago Podcast. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shinehards, welcome to episode 270 of Meet Us at Molly's. 270. We're getting up there. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. So- you heard from us on Monday. You're hearing again from us this week. We're just busy bees. What can we say? Um, we also just really, really miss one Chicago. <laughs> really like, miss really, it. Like, really, really. Um, did I tell you I had another crazy one Chicago dream last night? You talking about the J one? Yeah. Like, yeah, you I put keep, in the group text. I keep dreaming that there's, like, this ginormous crossover where, like, multiple of our faves get hurt. And, like, people come back for it. So, like, in the dream I had last night, like, Jay, Antonio, and Connor all came back. Uh, and at the end of it, like, Jay revealed his true reason for leaving. And it was bullshit. And I got mad all over again. <laughs> I just feel like whether they come back in like the spring well if it how come in the spring it's not gonna happen but like next fall when we when we get our shows i'm like putting it back out that when we get them back in the fall next fall if we don't have some epic kind of crossover because we haven't had one since infection like if we don't get some kind of like epic epic crossover i just like what are we doing (laughs) like what are we doing earned it we've earned it yes Yes. We wanted it bad before after COVID and like now I'm like, no, we've gotta have one. This is the week we would be doing our wish list episode. No, we would have done it last week. Because they probably would have come back tonight. Oh, dagger in the heart. And now we're recording on Wednesday. So like yeah. it would have probably been tonight. If been not maybe night. next Wednesday, but probably tonight. <sighs> Somewhere in the multiverse, there's a version of us that is covering the final or the, the premieres tonight. <laughs> But it is not this universe. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Unfortunately. Damn. Ugh, yeah. yeah. It's the worst. Uh, yeah. So we always start with the news. Little bit of news. Um, we're starting with the strike update. That's kind of how we're how we're rolling for the foreseeable future. Um, little bit of an update. Brian, I'll let you fill us in there. Yeah, I was just literally reading from Variety. The headline is WGA talks will continue Thursday after quote encouraging session i mean and it basically just says you know so today there were several of the like big ceos there so it was like bob Iger of disney ted sarandos i don't know if i said that right of netflix donna langley of nbc universal and david saslav of warner brothers and basically like the talks concluded later this afternoon and they have plans to return tomorrow tomorrow being thursday and all four CEOs are expected to be back in the room on Thursday. And the two issued a rare together statement, like a, a joint statement. And I mean, it's one sentence long. And all it says is the WGA and the AMPTP met for a bargaining today and we'll meet again tomorrow. That's all it says. But like, <laughs> it's a joint statement. So like. It's it's still. better than, it's better than, you know, what we've had in the past couple of weeks where the WGA basically well, tweets yeah, out like we walked away. Yeah, and apparently the Variety source described the Wednesday session as encouraging. So, who knows? And then I guess my question is, I guess they're still negotiating on, like, the AMTP, 
A, I can never get this act. A-M-P-T-P. Yeah. I know. Those assholes. Like, <laughs> I guess it would still just be for, like, all studios, right? Like, I guess, like, why is, or is, am I missing the studio? There are other studios, right? It's not I want to say four. there's, like, six and not four. I want to say there's six total. Right. So I'm like, why are the other two or three or however many not there? Good question. But whatever. Who cares? And then, we care. I mean, the we thing care. Is, like, I mean, but the thing is, is like WGA, and that's great. But then it's like, okay, get WGA done, and then go do SAG. Yep. yep. Like you got to do one first. Okay, fine. WGA, great. And now, like, then let's go to SAG. They're gonna get a WGA deal and not a SAG deal, and then you and I are gonna be like, do you need us to like step in on fire? Do you need us to play somebody? Because like, <laughs> no, because then we'd be scabbing. So no, we're not doing. Oh it. fuck! No, you're right. You're right. I take all of that back. We're not doing that. No, we don't. We are not scabbers. We are not scabbers. We fully support no. them. No, fully support them. I yeah. take that all back. The, the, it's it gets really like. Is it me or is this whole thing really confusing? With like when you're scabbing versus when you're not scabbing, and like what contracts you're scabbing under. This whole are Drew you talking Barrymore, about like Dancing with Stars? That too. This whole Drew Barrymore Dancing with the Stars thing has confused the ever loving crap out of me. I think what confuses me, like Drew Barrymore makes way more sense because like there's a whole staff of writers like writing her show writing her questions writing her monologue like whatever and i guess i understand but like from my understanding is dance with stars has one writer and that is the person who writes you know whatever like alfonso and now julianne you know their little whatever banter but like and i apparently i was reading something i think it was from emily's article the other day that said when this happened the first time in 2007 the last mm-hmm. strike they basically like they let the writer go and then like rehired whoever i don't want to say her or him but like wh- whoever whatever the writer like as soon as the strike was over mm-hmm. and like my thing is is like they knew i don't know like i guess they knew that this was a show like i don't understand like why the picketing is happening like right now like dance with stars has been announced to come back for like a long time well and and from what i read they only picketed about three or four cast members it was allison hannigan mir sorvino and then the guy from veep i think it's because though like i mean i know for example like jamie lynn is not in la like, I'm sure they probably would have tried to pick it at her, too, but she doesn't practice in L.A. She's practicing in Louisiana, where she lives. Hmm. So, like, my guess is, it's like, those are the ones who are, like, I don't know about Sochi, because they didn't announce her, that they're picketing her. Right, right. But, but I, I thought um, reality was under a separate contract from the one we're striking under. Right. I mean, it is, theoretically, because they're allowed to do it. I mean, like, they're not getting bow back from SAG. You know about doing it. I think what they're striking is the fact that is Things with Stars is technically a WGA show, and it has in the fact that it has one writer. But they're not scabbing because they're not taking the writer's place, right? No, I think what they're doing is they're not saying that they're because it's the WGA that's picketing Dance with Stars, not SAG, and they're picketing it because they want the SAG actors to show stand in support with WGA and be like, "Hey, no, we're not participating in a WGA thing." Because it's not SAG that's picketing them. It's WGA people that are picketing them. So if you're a SAG actor and the writers are picketing and 
if WGA is picketing and you're a SAG actor, are you still crossing that picket? I mean, yeah, I guess anybody can cross a picket line. I mean, I guess you're not technically doing anything wrong because you're not crossing your picket line, right? Like, it may look, I think the problem is, is that it looks bad because, you know, theoretically, SAG and WGA should stand together. But, like, if they're not in WGA, like, what are they doing wrong? That's where I'm like, confused. I think, and I don't think, I think that's the thing is, it's like, they're not technically doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. SAG, you know, they're doing reality TV. SAG says they can do reality TV because it's a separate contract. I think what WGA is mad about, if I understand the whole situation correctly, is that they're mad because they're not standing with WGA by technically participating in Dance with the Stars. Okay. Okay. Think like, I think they're just not showing solidarity because technically, like I said, Dancing with Stars is, which I didn't know that. I didn't really realize that Dancing with, maybe I should have assumed, but like, I didn't really realize that Dancing with Stars is technically a WGA show. I didn't either. Yeah, I had, I had no, no idea, idea until I saw Emily's article the other day. Um, and not even that one writer could make Tyra Banks bearable. Yeah, well, I think some of that was ad-libbing, but... Um, a lot of that was Tyra. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a lot of that was her. But, like, yeah, so I think that's more the issue. I don't think there's anything they are technically doing wrong, or else they probably, if I, they probably would not have signed up for the show. Yeah. I would have assumed. But, I don't know. Like yeah. I said, that's my assumption, is that at WJ is just mad because they're not standing in support with them. But they're technically not scabbing. I don't. As far as I understand it. Yeah. Because they're not in W. None of them are in the. I mean, I assume none of them are WGA. The guy from from Veep is. Oh, well then. mm. Tony Walsh, I think is his name. But again, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. He's dancing. He's not writing. Right. But he's participating in a WGA show. Oh my god. I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem. Like I I as far as I understand it, I don't think there's a reason like people should be mad at like Jamie Lynn Spears. I mean, people are mad about Jamie Lynn Spears for other a whole other host of reasons. People are always but, mad at Jamie Lynn Spears. But you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with her doing this show because she's not WGA. Right. And SAG says it's okay for her to do the show, so then why wouldn't she do this, you know? So this is why we need like, a fair deal. I'm trying to see if I can like go back to the deadline article and see. Um, uh, let's put blah, blah, blah. They're not going to move it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was stars as a WGA show. Is it traditionally plays one GWGA writer? Uh, Yeah, I don't, I mean, I can't find anything where it says specifically why they're picketing them, but. Yeah. Mystery. Yeah, I mean, I understand why it says, like, they're picketing the writing, you know, whatever, but. um, Yeah. Anyway. Fingers crossed that there's some progress in the next coming days. Um, Hopefully by the time we put this out, there's some more progress. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully we'll see how tomorrow's negotiations go. Mm-hmm. 
Indeed. That would be Indeed. amazing. And then we can move on to SAG. Indeed. Yes, please. So that's all the news we've got. Nothing has broken. Although in, in true fashion, what's going to happen is we're going to finish recording tonight and we're going to get off to like brand new news or tomorrow morning on Thursday morning, more news is going to break. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a feeling, I don't think anything's going to come tonight because if they didn't reach a deal by the end of today, I don't think they're going to reach a deal, you know, be like, oh, yeah, three hours later, we're going to go back and be like, yeah, we're going to have a deal. Like, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. So tomorrow, though, maybe a different story. We'll see. We'll see. Well, yeah. I hope so. I hope so for everyone's sake that it's a different story. But actually, though. Yeah. Man, it's brutal. All right. Without further ado, shall we move into these episodes? Mm-hmm. It's a good batch this week. Yeah, I definitely did not remember until we got started watching Med that I was like, oh, yeah, Med's a crossover this week. It is a crossover. And I I contemplated for a second when I was rewatching, I was like, should I go back and watch the corresponding fire episode? And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I just want I'm going to experience this the way like somebody who just watches Med would. And I was hella confused. Yeah, I mean. I remembered because like we've done and I even forgot that we've already done this crossover. I like remembered as I was watching it, I was like, I think we did this crossover. And then I was like, oh yeah, we did do this crossover. Um so like I this crossover is like relatively fresh in my mind. So like I wasn't like totally lost. But like, yeah, if I was someone I did think about that too. I was like, if I was someone who just like watched Med Straight, which I definitely did in the beginning, and I I was like, I would be like so confused. Yeah, it just, and a lot of plot points came up that I was like, maybe this was in a previous episode. And then I was like, no, we've been watching the previous episodes. You would know this. Well, and I feel like, which uh, we'll get there eventually, but I feel like they introduced a lot of new things in this episode, like storyline-wise. I mean, granted, Med is only in their fifth episode, but I'm like, I feel like they introduced a lot of shit for it being a crossover. Like yeah. Noah, Joey, I mean, like- like, I feel like they were, like, went to, like, 20 different new directions. And I was like, wait, what, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think, on another note, I think a good alternative title for this episode would have been Everyone Hates Connor. Yeah, I thought about that, too. How, like, it's like, oh, Med was just maybe kind of, the people at Med were, like, maybe kind of slowly coming around to Connor. And then it's like, oh, Fire now hates him. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone hates Connor. All because of Jay, kind of. Jay started so much shit in this episode. <laughs> like a lot of shit. I mean, unintentionally, but still, he ended up starting like basically all of it. Like why Fire's mad at him, why Connor and Will are in a fight. Like that was all Jay's fault. Oh my God. I know. I know. It, it, yeah. Well, rewatching it, it was kind of funny. I did. I laughed really hard when Severide basically like, tried to he he basically like questioned connor and connor turns around and goes are you trying to talk medicine to me right now like the minute separate yeah. said what he said i started laughing i was like oh my god you're such an idiot <laughs> like yeah oh boy it was but yeah definitely an interesting batch like these episodes could not be more different and that's kind of what's funny about watching all five like you know as we're doing it you know watching like the fifth episodes together it's like kind of crazy to see like where all these are because it's like wild so i'm i'm trying to remember where the previous fire episode had left off because i remember 
you know, Freddie went on the run. That's great. He stabbed Herman at the end of an episode. So I think, did we have another week and then the fire episode of this crossover? Yes. So, because this, I mean, because I even have it in outline, like this picks up like right where fire leaves off, which is mm-hmm. like Connor wheeling Herman into surgery. So he's already in the hospital in the fire portion. Yeah. The so Freddy he, stuff okay. happens. The Freddy stuff happens like at the, I don't remember. Like, I think I want to say, was Freddy mid-season? That sounds right. That sounds so, correct. but anyway, so my point is, is that Herman was already in the hospital in the fire portion. And then he kind of has that, I, I think it's a bleeding or whatever it is. And then like this picks up right where fire leaves off and Connor takes him into surgery. I'm double checking. Oh, the checking PD the... portion of this is when Ruzik is in his rock star phase. Yeah, the PD portion is intense too. Because obviously you get the whole Voight backstory, you know, with all the Camille stuff and whatever, which we'll get there eventually. But like, yeah. This crossover really takes like the craziest, darkest turn. Yes. So Herman getting stabbed is the... um. It aired in December, so it is the mid-season. And then, yeah, the this was the first... Well, the fire portion was the first episode back after mid-season. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to start off with Connor and Herman, because obviously it was it was, it was was seamless if you were watching the crossover. If you're just watching Med, you're just kind of like, huh? Like, did I pick the right option on Peacock? Because the fire kids are here. What am I doing? So... And the PD kids. And the PD kids. Everyone's it's, there. Yeah, it's a party. It is a party. So... We pick up right where we left off. Now, I'm what had happened in the fire episode, I think, because again, I'm going off memory, is that like the, the the option was there to get Herman into surgery immediately, but Connor opted to wait. And I don't remember why. But well, that's well, it's so and I don't remember if it's surgery or the angio, because that's what Zanetti's talking about in the um in the OR. She was like, oh, you should have taken him to Angio right as it happened. And that's why Will has the whole thing about, like, I would have done this, but, you know, Connor did it differently. That's why they're having the whole argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Connor's in surgery and, you know, he's he's already kind of beating himself up. But Zanetti comes in and she's just pouring gas on the fire. She's just like, I would feel the same way. Like, you know, you waited, but, you know. And Connor was like, this is why I did what I did. And she was like, whatever, like, don't really care. So Jay, of all people, comes to just like start shit. Jay's just kind of bored. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna start some drama. So he's like, can I ask you a doctor question? And so he's like, would you have waited so long with Herman? And Will's like, I wasn't there. And Jay's like, still, just like in general, answer the question. And Will's just like, I probably would not have. But he's thinking it's like a brother to brother question. He's just like, you know, thinking it's going to stay just between the two of them. But my question is, where the hell is Jay coming from? Like, did Severide ask Jay to ask Will? Well, okay, so that's one of my points, too. So, like, it's Jay. Are Jay and Herman, like, BFFs and we just literally never saw it? Like, I mean, I appreciate, I like seeing, like, that all the characters are concerned about Herman, you know, they're, you know, at, in true crossover fashion. I like seeing that. But, like, yeah, Jay's, like, very concerned. And I'm, like, and then it's, like, well, when did Jay and Sephiroth become, like, such great friends? Yeah. It's it's a little weird. It's a little weird. It's a lot weird. Uh, 
my other question is so will's like well it's been a while since my surgical residency and i'm like so how long again going to our like whole backstory game i'm like so you couldn't have added just like it's been five years it's been eight years it's been 10 years like how many years has it been if i remember correctly he was doing plastics in new york yes he was okay and i don't know it was just one of those things where it's like it's been a while and i'm like you couldn't have been any more ambiguous really i guess in plastics you don't see the kind of stuff you're seeing with herman obviously but like no okay hmm yeah i remember in these early episodes of med they really hammered home the point that like Will hasn't done surgery in a while or like Will's not a surgeon anymore. Like every episode, there was always one opportunity where Will's like, by the way, I'm not a surgeon anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They made sure to be like really extra about it. I remember that. Um, Yeah. So it's been a while since the surgical residency. Yep. How do you go from plastics to ED? You know, do we ever learn that? No. Like why he ended up in emergency medicine? No. I don't no. think so. I mean, he said to Will when he was first come, or he said to Jay when he was first coming into the series, he was like, you know, hey, met with somebody at Chicago Med and they need ER docs. So I guess he just needed a job. But like, you couldn't have gotten a plastic. I mean, there's like, we as we know, there is like 25 different hospitals in Chicago. You couldn't have, none of them needed a plastic surgeon. Surely a plastic surgeon in Chicago makes more than an ED doc. Yeah, plastic surgeons, I think, anywhere make more than an ED doc. <laughs> um, if we ever see Nick again and get to interview him, that's a question we should ask because he would absolutely answer it, even though he's removed from the show now. Yeah. That's quite the 180. Yeah. Why did Will leave plastics for? Yeah. But also, if I were to switch fields of law, I couldn't go from what I'm in now to, like, entertainment law. There's there's a knowledge gap there. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, though, I mean, granted, I don't know. I'm like, because obviously, it's, I guess it's the same thing in law school. Well, I guess, like, you wouldn't have taken, like, any entertainment law classes in law school, right? I took one my second year. Um, But you that's all one? it was, was just one class. Well, because, I mean, obviously, I know, like, when you're doctor you know like you do rounds like they do you know like you practice a little bit in each specialty and then you pick what residency you know like where you're you know what you're gonna specialize in so I mean I guess he's obviously had to have a little bit of a you know ED experience I wonder if medicine is but I get the vibe that medicine's not like law law being like you know where you you pick your specialty, you go into it, and then your knowledge of all the other topics kind of it's there, but it's not there, you know. No, that's definitely. I mean, you know, because I my dad always talks about the fact that like he always every time we go to like a different doctor or whatever, he's like, I may be a dumb orthopod, but you know, as the little bit I know about X, Y, and Z, whatever you know, wherever else doctor we're at. So like, I assume yeah, he has like a baseline of like you know, this is what neurology does. This is what you know. Mm-hmm. whatever but like to say he knows everything about neurology no because he was an orthopedic surgeon so like i assume it's kind of the same it's the mystery yeah oh william 
yeah so will will sweet precious will witness so much yeah he's uh he's just like i probably would have waited but like you know that's the kind of thing that like that's the kind of thing like when i have something to confess that like i wouldn't share with everybody i message amy and i preface it and say okay hot take but like it's never gonna go anywhere it's just between the two of you and so will's just like here's my answer cool well, what does Jay do being the wonderful younger brother that he is? He turns right around and says, hey, Severi, guess what? Yeah, Jay likes to play a game of telephone, apparently. And Jay tells Severi, Severi tells Gabby. It's like, <laughs> just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah, like seventh grade girls. Like Severi's pacing. He's like, so yeah. I heard it from Jay who heard it from Will. And Will said this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So now they're all second guessing Connor. And the only person with a, a medical degree in any way, shape, or form in this situation is Connor. Yep. They're all doctors now. It's great. It's great. They all so, web indeed it. Yeah. Yep. They all web indeed it. Uh, okay. So then what gets even better here is that in one fell swoop, so Severide is like having this conversation with Gabby, and quite literally, it's seamless. Like one scene right to the other. He goes, Okay, I'm going to go get answers. Walks five steps down the hall, shows up in the doorway of Herman's room, and is like, Hey, Connor, you suck at medicine. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Like everybody's just shitting on Connor this episode, and he doesn't deserve any of it. No. Oh my goodness. Like there's there's being weary of the new guy and just like straight up newbie hazing. And like they're being yeah. horrible to him. They're being really, really not great. And I, I get that a lot of it is coming from like they just want to make sure Herman's getting the best care possible. Like it's not like they're just, I think, picking on him to be like, ew, let's test the new doctor. Like I don't think that's really it. It's like, no, we care about Herman so much. We want to make sure that Connor's the right fit to treat Herman. But still, I feel like you shouldn't go about it this way. Okay, I don't have a medical degree. You're not going to see me popping up in the doorway and questioning a doctor. The same way when people tell me things about law, I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. Right yeah. there. Just, just, this is a stay in your lane moment. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Um, And Connor, like, Connor handles it so well, too, because, like, the the really petty, mean person in me would be like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, things would get unprofessional real fast. And Connor's just like, excuse me? Like, he just lets it bounce right off of him, which, you know, he's probably had to do his whole life because of who his dad is. But yeah. he handles it well, because I would have been like, this bitch. He did not. The balls on Severi to do that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then the real confusing part here is because he's like, uh, Connor's like, are you really talking medicine to me right now? And he's like, I'm talking to you about my friend. And then Connor goes, well, he's my friend too. Is he? You've been here five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. When in the last five episodes do you guys become friends? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, like, I get that obviously Severide is Herman's son's godfather which they never ever reference again but it's like Severide and Herman are not theoretically that close either despite that that so makes like, more sense though because they work together you know I know but it's still it's like of all the people it's like oh yeah Severide is the one that's like all up in this business yeah that that makes more sense than Connor being like well he's my friend too <laughs> he is okay 
Take your word for it, Connor. All right. So Dr. Zanetti comes in and finds Connor in the doctor's lounge to cheer him up. And so, I mean, Connor handles things really well. He lets it bounce off of him. But like, also, he's a kid with daddy issues. Okay. So he's straight up asked Zanetti. He's like, did you say something to, did you say something to Severide about my skills? And she was like, she was kind of like offended. She's like, I would never undermine a colleague. Like, if you think I would do that, then maybe we should reassess this. But Connor then pages Dr. Zanetti up to Herman's room and he explains himself. Look, this isn't an excuse. I am just trying to give you a little context here. I have a father whom you met, who's made it his life's mission to undermine me. Maybe that's made me a little sensitive at times. You have trust issues. You could put it that way. I can handle that. I appreciate the fact that he explained it to her and, you know, he would like gave, you know, fairly quickly, like explain, you know, apologize. But this relationship is weird to me. Oh, the whole thing is weird. It's like, I still feel like they missed a, like, a whole plot line, basically. Because, like, they started hooking up. We still don't really know why or how or, like, you know, barely any flirtation. Okay, cool. But now it's like, he's, like, opening up to her about his dad. And, I mean, I get it, it was part of his apology. But I'm still like, where is this coming from? Like, it just, it makes no sense. Okay, see, but this made sense to me. Him explaining why he reacted the way he did. That's a man who's been to therapy right there. Did they really go to therapy back in 2015, whatever year this was? 2016? The self-awareness to be able to communicate that so clearly, he's been to therapy. No, and I have no problem with him explaining. It's just like, I feel like in terms of his relationship with Zanetti, it feels like they're like light years ahead of like their relationship is like years ahead than where the audience is and i'm like still trying to grasp on the fact that they're hooking up and i feel like they're just like like even when she comes in to like comfort him in the doctor's lounge and i'm like what is happening here oh so okay so you think him explaining himself is like something he like it's something it kind of it's an indicator that the relationship is more serious than it seems i just feel like i don't know if he would have gone up to like anyone like i feel like if this happened with like will and he was like trying to apologize to will like, is he going to talk about the fact that he's like, yeah, I have a dad who's like made it. Like, I don't know if he would have told Will that right away. I think he would have, though. I think he would have because this is in this setting where it's professional and they see each other every moment of every day and they've got to like trust each other and things like that. It makes sense that he would explain this to her and say, OK, look, this is why I acted the way I did. You know, I'm I'm sorry. This is, you know, it's a trigger of mine. I'm aware of it. Sometimes it gets the best of me. That makes sense to me because it's professional. Now, if they were just, you know, casual friends or something, if this was like a casual acquaintance, that might be a little overboard right off the bat. But since they, since they work together. They're not just working together. That's the other thing. Yeah. Right. That's my other point is that it's not just working together. Mm -hmm. It's that there is something more than just colleagues. All the more reason why he had to explain because, you know, in that situation, she was probably put off a little bit and was like, you're going to snap at me for something really mundane? Like, 
But I just I just don't think this whole situation goes down. Like if they were just truly colleagues, I don't think this happens in the same way. Like, I don't know. I think she would have handled her being offended differently. I think he I think everything would have been different. Like that just feels more like it feels more like to me, it just I don't know, it feels more like heightened because they're hooking up at this point. Probably. And especially because I feel like we're missing so much about the hooking up. Like I said, it's like they all of a sudden they're hooking up and then it's like now I just like what huh what I'm like wait what it makes no sense well plus I th- I get major perfectionist vibes from Connor I mean obviously we know God complex and all I mean he he's a hardcore perfectionist so he's already like the stakes are already really high because he's already faltered and you know even though it's a tiny even if it's a relatively minor way he's already faltered so that makes for him makes the stakes even higher yeah no I get that like I said I just I think. It just feels weird because their relationship is weird to me. No, it's like, totally weird. weird. It's totally weird. She was pretty much brought in as an object for him to fuck. See, I don't even know if I know. I mean, I guess theoretically, because we never saw anything else from her, really. But it's like, in the beginning, I could have taken it, like, you know, episode two, I would have been like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great mentor for Connor. Like, I could really see that, like work dynamic being interesting and then all of a sudden it's like you see them in bed together and you're like okay i guess not that escalated quickly yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so will confronts jay about what he said to him about herman because word's gotten around how did will find out that connor found found out no will finds out wait say that again how how does will know that Jay told Severide. Because later on, which is in the, like, Will section, Connor goes to him and oh, asks Oh, that's, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, so, it, this is, like, the, the Chicago Med version of Friends. Okay, so, Will knows that Jay told Severide, Will knows that everybody else knows. Okay, so, he confronts Jay. He's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what the fuck and jay's like you never said that was in confidence it, it bro code dude i like i don't even speak bro code but i know that's bro code like it, right it, or jay's question could have been like hey everyone wants to know you know what would you have done you know like something like that being like jay's not the only person asking the, and then the will could have answered it how he however he wanted to answer it knowing that it was more than just jay asking and they get like super petty with each other about it because he's like, don't ask me to go snooping around police records. And he's like, well, fine. Everybody's yeah. acting like a seventh grade girl. It's great. <laughs> it's chaotic and it's great. Love it. So Gabby goes to ask Connor for an update and Connor can't like Connor's like about to tell her something and Herman starts crashing. So everybody runs over to his room. Connor gets to work. And then Connor's like, okay, well, we need to do this, this, and this. And Severide goes, are you sure about that? Yeah. (laughs) The audacity. Oh, my God. The audacity of that man. Kelly. Oh, my goodness. It does eventually make sense on, like, every time Sever. I mean, and I get, obviously, it's coming from a place of, again, Severide cares about the people, you know, or in this case, Herman. But I even thinking about it later on, like, with Stella and stuff and all of his reactions and the way he talks to the doctor. So I'm like, Severide, you can't do that. 
The staff in med must really think Severide's a dick. Well, I mean, you know, the staff at med did also try to kill him, so. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> you're so right. I mean, I guess somewhere deep down inside him, he's like, they almost tried to kill me. This entire time, to them. there's been a quiet feud that we haven't known about between Severine and Med. Like, they've got beef, and this whole time, we haven't <laughs> even picked up on it. Except for Severine and April, but yeah, everyone else, Severine and Med, just otherwise in general, he has beef <laughs> with. <laughs> oh, man. Even though, like, they've saved his life before. But yeah. But they first tried to kill him. So. Yeah, that's that's the same episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's like- well. I guess. Wait, wasn't it Will that try Will that ultimately saved Severide's wife? So maybe no, that- no, no. Will is the one who wanted to black tag him. Oh, true. Will is the one that tried to kill him, and then the other lady who didn't actually make it to Med, right? Lori Holden's character. Yes, she's the one that saved his life alongside Brett and Mills true never mind i was gonna say maybe that's why severide and will are friends but that that should be a reason why they're not friends <laughs> you think like they talk about him or something if like if like if 51's in the house they're like oh shit please don't bring severide here like you think they're just like oh shit probably not anymore but i'm sure at one point yeah. well yeah because everybody he was beefing with is gone now because <laughs> like April's gone, not that he ever beefed with her, but he beefed with Ethan because of April. Yeah. Well, and he theoretically may or may not be gone too. So I mean Shut up. no, why would you put that in the universe? You better I knock on someone maybe. right now. I know. I don't want him to be gone. Yeah, me either. Um, if like I'm, if he's gone, the very first scene of like fire or PD needs to be like Stella and Haley at Molly's just like getting trashed. And, like, talking about how much they hate their ex-husbands. That's what it needs to be. I'll take it only because that means we're getting a crossover. Well, that would be a crossover scene. Right. <laughs> God. You sure about that? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, again, Connor is the bigger person. He does, he does snap back, as he should, but he's just, like, back off. If this were a cable show, he would have said something a lot spicier. Yeah. But yeah, Connor gets Herman stable again, and as like as he's trying to leave, Severide like stops him, and Severide just says, "Thank you." You didn't have to be such a dick about it, Sev. Yeah, yeah. So then Connor and Will are heading down to the autopsy room. More about that in a little bit. Uh, and Will Will stops and he apologizes. He's basically like, "Hey, Connor, sorry I ranted to my brother, and my brother pretty much stabbed me in the back and blabbed when he wasn't supposed to." and has the whole drama this episode is so juicy as i texted you before like i said jay's just up here causing all the drama jay doesn't even go here he's a cop (laughs) i know (laughs) oh yeah so that is the whole connor and herman of it all and then herman like makes a full recovery in pd right do they even touch on him in the pd portion i think so because the PD portion just takes a total left turn. Or is that the next fire episode I'm thinking of? It may is be he the just next magically back at work the next fire episode? No. He definitely had some... Or I... I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't remember either. This is why we're doing this rewatch. I don't yeah. remember. 
even then though are you do you still feel like as you're watching these episodes you're just like oh maybe I have to go back and see what happened and like whatever and then you're like wait a second it's only been like five episodes I I think this whole rewatch has made me realize that like I may remember major strokes and like oh yeah like that happened to this character but if you tried to tell me like was that season one or like and was that season like in the beginning of season one or the end of season one I have no idea yeah no idea but like if you said like oh yeah this so-and-so happened to jay i'd be like yeah i do remember that but like and even then sometimes i'm like i don't remember that at all yeah like there's some stuff in the fire episode that like the severide stuff i was like no recollection of that right none whatsoever so same hard same so Next up, we've got Dr. Choi, we've got Dr. Charles, we've got Will. It's just, it's a party. Take it away. Yeah. So this is really the storyline that eventually, like, spins off into the PD portion. Um, It happens, it starts a little bit in fire. And basically in fire, they bring in this patient, this girl, Jessica Pope, and, like, they're trying to figure out what's going on with her, and they cannot figure it out. So in this episode, Goodwin stops by and tells Choi that, PD is going to investigate Jessica Pope, you know, but she's still medically a mystery. And so they'd send off her some of her bone marrow to get tested and it comes back and it looks to be blasted by chemo. So, you know, because originally when fire found her, you know, they were like, well, maybe it's suicide. And they were like, so maybe that's why it's suicide that she was, you know, terminally ill, you know, going through chemo and, you know, that's why she killed herself. So, Jay and Severide show up again. This is before all the other stuff. So Jay and Severide show up and they're like, well, the only thing we could salvage from the scene was a couple of personal belongings, but nothing that's like totally useful. So Goodwin's like, hey, Dr. Charles, like, can you come look at it? And of course, Dr. Charles is like, yeah, good puzzle. Like, sign me up. That's (laughs) what I do. And so Dr. Charles is like, well, I don't really know if I'm convinced that she was suicidal because... I found a round trip ticket to Paris and her things for six months from now. So why would someone have booked a trip, you know, in the future, knowing that they were going to kill themselves? He was like, it doesn't really make sense. So Dr. Charles then asked Will to be like, hey, Jay, can you do us a favor? And so Will asked Jay and Jay's like, really? Like, I don't want to do this. And yeah. And Jay's like, fine, I'll do it. Fine. This is the, the you're my hero moment. Yeah. So Jay comes back and he's like, he all he brings is this letter of sorts that they were able to co- recover. And Will takes it to Dr. Charles and it's a suicide note. But it's not a suicide note because she was sick. In there, he's talking about, you know, like my fault because I trusted him. And so it's like, are they like, okay, well, maybe she killed herself because of like a lover or, you know, something, you know, they were trying to figure out who the him is. So then it gets shit gets more crazy and complicated because Ethan pops in and he's like I just got some really weird test results and they were like she's dying from an overdose of chemo and they're like okay well what's totally wrong with that and they're like no she's dying of an overdose of chemo but she was she never had cancer so she was getting chemo that she didn't actually need so then on the other side of the hospital the ED not to hospital on the other side of the ED. Will and Connor start treating this woman, Danny, who had a seizure in the street and then gets hit by a car. Just totally unfortunate timing. And they start treating her. And again, things are still tense between them because 
Connor's mad that Will gossiped. Well, Will talked to Jay and then Jay gossiped, but still. Um, and Will's like, no, I think the key is the seizure. Like, that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna start. Like the car crash is like second. And so they open up her clothes though, you know, to start working on her and they find a chemo port. So then they start like arguing about whether they're gonna do a CT of the whole body or the head, and you know, just typical Connor and Will like bantering back and forth. And then Danny basically flatlines and is pronounced dead. Again, everybody is shitting on Connor. Everyone's shitting on Connor. Will, I think, in this moment is just like talking to hear himself talk. Because like when they bring her in, he's like, this isn't trauma. She went down before the car crash. And Con- yeah. Connor's like, she still got hit by a car, dude. Like, right? It doesn't matter whether she went down before or because of the car crash. She still got hit by a car. Do you notice how when all these patients get brought in, it's pretty much Connor takes over and then Will tries to butt in? Yeah, these first couple episodes, yeah. It's a pissing match for, like, no reason. It's so stupid. But then there's a reason they were never really friends the whole time Connor was on the show. So stupid. They could have had a great bromance. Yeah. They They really could have. It's ridiculous. But even then, when the patient starts flatlining, Dr. Dr. Rhodes is like, okay, well, we're going to do this one more round, one more round. And everybody's like, Dr. Rhodes. Like, really? They're like, questioning his judgment. Bro, he's in charge. Yeah. Well, so kind of going into that, so... Then Connor gets called into Goodwin's office and Dr. Charles says like, hey, we want to expedite the autopsy on Danny. And Connor's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I swear. Like that's his first, you know, line of defense is like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I, you know, believe in my methods. And they're like, no, that's not why we're going after you. Like we're not going after you at all. Well, he's triggered. Um, He's having a rough day. Yeah. So basically they're like, the reason we want to expedite it is because we don't think that the two are related, but just to make sure, you know. And he's like, okay, sure. So Dr. Charles brings Will and Connor down to the autopsy room, which we know from earlier. Um, and not only did their patient OD on chemo, it was also for cancer she didn't have, just like Ethan's patient. Man. Crazy shit. So then we get like a little meeting of the minds that takes place in Goodwin's office. And basically they're like, something's going on with both these women, but we don't have other information on them to get, you know, to help them to get to the bottom of it. So basically they're just left kind of clueless at this point. It's wild. Yeah. Wild. Do you listen to any other podcasts aside from ours? Yes. Uh, Have you listened to Dr. Death? I, I think I've talked to you about it before. No, that's not the kind of podcast I listen to. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Season two of Dr. Death is pretty much the situation. It's yeah. insane. I still eventually want to watch Dr. Death, like, the show. Mm-hmm. But I I listen to mainly, like, TV or basketball podcasts. So I don't listen to, like, anything fictional. Josh Jackson is incredible in it. He's he's such a good actor. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, goes without saying. But, like, yeah, he's an incredible actor. But um yeah season two of dr death is pretty much this exact scenario it's disgusting yeah crazy so then we've got reese and noah little bitty babies this is the first first episode yeah this is noah's first episode yep yeah i did not remember that this happened either i mean obviously i remember that he joined in season one but i did not remember 
that it was this episode, that it was this early. And they really don't set it up. They just throw him into a crossover. And it's like, oh, yeah, April's brother is joining the ED. And I'm like, you couldn't have made a comment about it last week? Like, I don't understand. They really do just throw him in the middle. And they're like, figure it out. This is April's brother. Bye. Yeah, it's like, okay. So not only is this the first episode for Noah, it's also the first episode for Joey. Note that down for one Chicago trivia. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. Reese and Reese is at this coffee cart that looks like it's on the roof. <laughs> I'm like, why? Okay, I mean, coffee with a view—that's cool, but all right. Yeah. So where is Reese- where is then that coffee cart now? We're on the roof all the time now. Where's the coffee cart? But actually, though, that's a good question. We don't see the coffee cart. I also feel like the green screen balcony didn't come into play until later seasons. Like these early shots, like I fully believe that that is the city of Chicago behind them. Like the actual city of Chicago. Whenever we get to have writers back on here, mm-hmm. like whenever we get to have Steven back on here, because, you know, Steven was around from like the very beginning. Yeah. And is still around. I feel like we should, that's something we should ask. Because I would love to know. But actually though, because like when this, did the green screen, when did the green screen happen? writing this down. Because, like, this looks like a legitimate rooftop shop, does it not? It, yeah. And I wonder if that was, like, in the beginning thing, like, when they didn't have all their sets built. And so they were like, it's probably just easier right now to go, like, film somewhere. Like, on, you know. Because they do use that hospital, like, for exterior shots. They do use that hospital that's, I'm trying to remember the name of the street in Chicago. Oh, so I maybe hear- it was somewhere down in that area. Yeah. But I just wonder if they had just, they were like, oh, well, how many times are we actually going to film on a rooftop? Like, maybe it's just easier to go, like, film on an actual rooftop than, like, build a rooftop set. Yeah. That's maybe. True. I don't know. I guess we'll find out how many more times they use the rooftop in these early The days. actual rooftop with the actual city behind them? We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> we'll keep tabs on that. Yeah, so basically we meet Joey, and Joey's mad because Reese took the last Splenda. This whole thing with Joey and Reese is hella awkward. They are so weird. They really are so weird. And not even necessarily in, like, a cute way. Like, it's just weird. They're weird in a weird way. Very weird. Yeah, yeah. So it's also Noah's first day. We're just going to introduce both of Reese's love interests at the same time. Even though one won't happen for years. Yeah. yeah. So just this this random guy just pops up and we're just like, okay. And then basically April walks him to the front and is like, this is my baby brother. Ta-da! <laughs> so she's like, he's here to learn to so like, don't go easy on him. And did you catch this moment when they're basically like talking about what happened to the last intern? And Doris is like, oh, well, the last intern had to check himself into psych. And April's like, no, the last intern hung himself. What? I didn't, he, I I caught them talking about the intern, but I wasn't totally paying attention to specifically what they were saying. But that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And when she I feel says like it, you could have just stopped. I feel like you could have just stopped at like checked himself into psych. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we didn't need the comment about when Mm-mm. killing themselves. Mm-mm. Nope, nope. Um, and if that's true, I I need to I need that I need to know what happened. I need background because that's some sick and twisted shit, and just fully supports the point that we always make, which is Med is the least safe hospital in the world. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I feel like just they could have stopped it like, oh, yeah, he checked himself into psych or, you know, she or whoever and, like, gotten the point across still. Yeah, probably, probably. So April asks Reese to give Noah a tour. Cool. I guess foreshadowing. If you want to count it. So Reese asked Dr. Choi about the patient's bone marrow depletion. And it, since it's the focus of her research, another thing to jot down for Chicago Med Trivia, because... She takes a 180 there. Uh, yeah. She's just like, hey, can I can I run some more tests? And Ethan's like, Ethan's pretty much just like, I will say whatever it takes to get you away from me right now. So he's like, whatever you want. Please go. Yeah, just yeah. go, leave. So Reese takes her samples down to the lab and she she's at like the, I don't know if it's like hematology or what, but she's, she's at the lab and she's like, hey, I need this test done um, and I need it stat, like I need it really soon. And from from what I gather, it's a pretty big test to get like as soon as possible. Yeah, and- I was just Googling it. <laughs> What's coming up? Well, I was just looking at the Wikipedia because I was like kind of curious what is a mass spectrometry. It's an analytic te- analytical technique that is used to measure the mass to charge ratio of ions. The results are presented as a mass spectrum, a plot of intensity as a function to the of the mass to tra- charge ratio. They already lost me here. Was that English? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, like I said, they that was one sentence and they already lost me. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the the woman in the lab is just like, this is ridiculous. And so she goes to like call to her coworker, air quotes, and it's Joey. Uh and so she's like, Yeah, I need this stat. Like, this is awkward, but I need this really soon. And he's just like, Okay, okay, I'll do it. That's fine. Just super awkward. And the scene just lingers for longer than it has to. Yeah. And then she leaves and then he high fives his coworker. So it's like, did he come back from the coffee incident and like talk about Reese? Like, I'm very confused. Are we proud of Joey because he just flirted with another girl? I'm, yeah, I'm so confused. (laughs) Yeah, it's very confusing. Very, very confusing. Yes. So a gunshot wound comes in. And Ethan starts working on that. He asks Noah to assist and he's just firing questions at Noah, like just all over the place. He's like, okay, so where do we start? Where's the bullet? Where's it doing now? And Noah's just kind of like frozen. Like I wouldn't know what to yeah. say either. He'd be like, well, where's the gun? He's got that the deer in headlights. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, but Ethan walks him through it, thankfully. Like he handles it pretty well. Cause like at one point he's in pain. And so he's like, Noah, where's the bullet now? And he's like, I think it's in his thigh. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so Ethan is really helpful about it. And then Noah apologizes and he just kind of makes the point to say, this is not the last gunshot you'll see. Like, not yeah. the last gun. They really make a point in these early episodes to hammer it home about, like, violence in Chicago. Every episode, they're just like, like, they call it Chirac. Uh, yeah. Which I guess ties into why they call part of the ED Baghdad. But, yeah. And then, like, every episode, they're like, well, you can always bank on seeing a gunshot wound. They pour it on pretty yeah. thick. Yeah, they're like, oh, look, Chicago's dangerous. Like, we get guns. Like, they're very much being playing into that stereotype about Chicago. Big time, big time. And yeah. I get that Chicago is a very violent city. That I mean, that is, like, statistically true. But it's, like, they very much play on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Joey goes to bring Reese the results of the mass spec. But he finds Noah instead. And so Noah's like, oh, I'll handle it. I'll give it to her. Which I really, I think he really was going to. It's just that the opportunity was there and he took it yeah 
Yeah. So while this is happening, this is the middle of the Severide and April, like flirtation, hookup sort of thing. That they basically used as another way to spin off med. Okay, but I don't think we've ever like fully in-depth talked about Severide and April. I actually really loved them as a couple. I think they could have had potential, but I don't feel like they went there enough to like for me to believe it. I can see that. She kept him grounded. It's like they tried so hard, like I said in the beginning when like April, you know, they first again to use her to like spin off med or to help spin off med. You know, they have the whole thing with like Severide's high school friend that's working at Fire, who everyone hates. I forget. Oh, Scott Rice. Rice. Who's Rice. doing a Christmas movie this year, by the way? Yes, and we're obviously going to talk about it because, mm-hmm. hello, on Chicago Connection. Yep. Um, but anyway, and so, like, they lean into that and the whole high school thing and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, they have, like, this. And I'm pretty sure that's, like, one of the first times they talk in a while you know it's just it's just weird like i don't feel like they went there hard enough but granted they didn't really go hard enough with like any of the crossover ships that's why they didn't work none of them work it's true it's a bummer i thought they were so cute together and i don't think severide was at a point where he could have committed which is the the other part of the problem absolutely not no there's no way he was not there yet it's a bummer that we didn't get any Severide when April came back for like her two or three episodes. Why would Sever the wedding? When I feel like they could have even if you weren't gonna go there for like a ship ship, you could have at least given us like one or two moments every now and then between them because God forbid we know how many times Severide was in the ED at Med mm-hmm. over the course of however many years April was there. Six. getting kicked out getting threatened getting arrested yeah i mean just like i mean even just bring, helping bring in patients or whatever like he's there a lot yeah like a lot a lot mm-hmm. for sure so you could have just had them say like hi <laughs> like <laughs> hi i remember there was one episode where like severide was at med for some reason but he was like he like pulled up outside because he was picking april up for something and like he was just talking yeah, to her on the phone he's like that? april i'm outside we, I do vaguely remember that, and but I'm like, was that early on or was that later season? I feel like Stella on. was already in the picture. So you think that was later? I think so. Oh my god, we could have had like do a rewatch. We could have had like Stella ride and like Chexton double dates, sex toy. But yes, that too. So Chexton sex toy. There's so many things I'm trying to keep straight in my brain about one Chicago right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, and again, they they could have gone there with a lot of, like, things, and they just didn't. They never did. Like, we were right where we deprived of. Severide and, or not Severide, Stella and April, like, having wine nights and stuff. Oh, my God. I mean, April at freaking Stella Ride wedding. Yes. I mean, granted, I know she was off the show by then, but still, she Mm could have come back for two seconds. Yep. Yep. So Severide's just like, hey, you know, I, I just saw a guy in the ED who looks like Noah. And April's like, yeah, that's because it's him. And he's like, no freaking way. Like, they let your brother be a doctor. Holy crap. So they go into the elevator and Severide pulls her in for a kiss, which, again, I think is just the cutest thing in the world. I thought they were I thought they were so good together. I thought they were so cute, even though there was no I don't think there was anything real from Severide's end. It was quite literally just the circle of Severide. I think 
he thought that there could be because they had that close friendship and obviously that now she's back in his life it's like oh maybe this is what was meant to be you know but yeah I think if they had actually really tried to go there it would have never worked out and it would have just ruined their friendship right right so yeah when you combine like this 105 with fires 105 it, it really looks yeah. like Severide is objectifying women hardcore. Well, and just that he, like, even though it's four, no, I'm trying to think. Yeah, four seasons later on fire, in terms of fire world, it's like you would have thought he never grew at all. No, no. You would have com- thought they were like the same season. Those episodes together do not paint seven a good light. No, 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 no. We will get there. Yeah, so so Noah is Noah's got the results. He's I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's trying to find Reese, but he finds Dr. Troy first and he pulls a he pulls a taboo move in corporate America and he takes the credit for Reese's idea. No, no. Noah. No, no, no. No. Especially your first day on the job, too. This is rude, Noah. Rude. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very quick way to get yourself very much hated by the women in the ED. Yeah, so Sarah confronts him, and she's not gentle about it, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So Noah's like, I'll do whatever it takes to make it right. And she just basically is like, you're going to retract it to Dr. Choi. You're going to tell him that it was my idea. Like, I'm going to get the credit for it. She pretty much lays it out. And he's just like, but med school's so competitive. Not an excuse. No. Not an excuse. Not an excuse for you being an asshole. No. Noah. No, no. Uh, but yeah, he's like, oh, I'll, he's like, I'll tell Troy, but like, please don't tell my sister. So he's he's quite literally most afraid of April than anybody yeah. else in the ED. Yeah, yeah, yep. So April goes to check on Noah, and he's studying, and he's stressing out because he can't remember everything. And so he's like, "Will you help me study tonight?" And April's like, "No." And Noah's just like, "Please, I'll buy pizza." And basically, Noah guilts Noah guilts her into it, and so she agrees. And so towards the end, Sev stops by to see April because Herman woke up, which is good. And Severide's like, this calls for champagne. Like, let's, you know, let's do it. And so April asks if they can reschedule their plans and we get this. Never changes, does it? What? April, you've been putting him ahead of you your whole life. You should be the one with the stethoscope. I have a stethoscope. You know what I mean? I'm not... You wanted to be a doctor. You're twice as smart as him. You're just doing this to put him through med school. You know my parents? You you think I had a choice? It was always the boy who was going to become a doctor. I get that. I understand. But you're grown up now. When does it stop? You know what? Thank you for your concern, but I'm fine. And I don't need your advice. Little harsh, Gretch. Yeah. He's not wrong, though. No, he's not wrong. And I also forgot that April was paying for Noah, you know, like a part of the reason April became a nurse instead of a doctor is to basically help Noah get through med school. Yeah. You know, it's funny because listening to this, you're just like, wow, Severide, like, that's really mean. That's really harsh. But I guess he's one of those friends of April's that can talk to her that way. It's just time well, yeah, and place, he's been honey. friends since high school. Yeah. 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 But tell her later. Don't tell her now in front of her coworkers. That's not cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think anyone was like really listening. You know, it's like it looks like they're listening, but still, it's like this is not. I think the point is his intentions were good. It's just maybe not the way exactly it should have come out. Yeah, yeah, and she gets defensive. I mean, understandable. Yeah, yeah. So. Joey comes up to the ED and tells Reese that he just delivered another mass spec. And so he's like, man, they made it to be some kind of big deal. Like must be some kind of hero now. And she tries to ask him if she can buy him coffee the next day, but he's already walked away. So again, weird. It's the start of something very awkward. Very awkward. Very, very awkward. Yep. But yeah, that's, that's (laughs) checking in with the Sextons. That's that. So then- We go over to Natalie and Maggie. Natalie and Maggie. Take it away. All right. So Maggie reminds Natalie, because again, Natalie is still very pregnant, that they have like a date later this afternoon, which is a tour of the hospital. And Natalie's like, why do I have to do this? This is so dumb. I already work here. (laughs) And Maggie's like, no, you're doing this. I don't care. And so then Jay stops by to say hi to Natalie and he accidentally lets it slip that Will told him that Natalie was in pediatrics because Maggie hands her case with like an elderly woman and Jay's like, oh, I thought you were pediatrics. And Maggie's like, no, she does double residency in emergency medicine and pediatrics. And Natalie's like, well, what else did Will tell you about me? And Jay's like, mm, oops. Jay is soon. just like, such a shit stirrer this episode. It, he really is. Although every time I see a scene with Jay and Adley, I just like I can't help but think about like the fact that they almost went there, and I just oh, like can't get God. it out of my brain. It's so like that. Uh, that needs to be like not necessarily season, but that that's a storyline we don't talk about. I think we already did that episode. I know we did. It's one just of those episodes. Gross. I'm just, like I, I remember the fans called them Wrongstead, and like it, it's the most accurate yeah. name possible because no, yeah. No. I will say, and I don't think it's anyone's deny it. I do think, obviously, Tori and Jesse had chemistry, but it's like just thinking about the concept of like Jay and Natalie. No, 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 no. That's no. so awkward. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to think about knowing what we know now. It's like if Will and Natalie were to never happen, then I don't know. But like, Will happened first, so we don't need it. <laughs> imagine will showing up to jay's place and like nats in her underwear in the kitchen and then will's just pretty much got to be like oh yeah that's right she's fucking my brother that's weird uh, i know it, it it's weird it's especially it's just like i just they actually almost did it that's the craziest part <laughs> oh my god it'll never i like will always just think about that whenever i see jay and natalie interact i just i can't it's 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 weird definitely weird it's yeah so Natalie goes to see her patient. Like I said, it's an 80-year-old woman. She's got a fever and she's not talking. She's kind of just like so out of it that she's not speaking. Her son just flew in and he's like, he doesn't really know what's going on because he hasn't talked to his mom in like three months. And I'm like, I can't even imagine not talking to my parents for that long. Mm-mm. I'm like, if I, I mean, even though I mean, I live with my dad now, but it's like every other day, like at least like oh, my, my mom day. and I talk every day. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, yeah. Um, so he's like, I don't really know, but he's like, I know they were treating it for mouth cancer. And that doesn't really see anything, but she's like, obviously, let's run some tests to figure out, like, maybe what's causing the fever. So 
she comes back and the patient has a UTI, but the antibiotics aren't touching it. And now her kidneys are shutting down, but they still don't really know why this is happening. So she goes to examine Carol. And of course, Natalie's like experiencing some pain, but she like, you know, sits down or whatever, but she's just like ignoring it and keeps working. Which is, of course, I feel like a very Natalie thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, Mackie and Natalie go on the hospital tour, and everything is just so wrong. And they just keep talking about the fact that it's like, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. No, no, no. And so, Natalie and Maggie called the girl leading the tour out, like, just plain as day. They're like, she's like, I don't think people, you should really be talking about, like, what kind of TVs you have in here. And she's like, you're really making a bunch of pregnant ladies stand while you do this tour and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, they just literally call her out on, like, everything. Okay, but let's call a spade a spade. They were, they, they were not being very nice. No, I think they, again, they pointed out things that are 100% correct, but they probably shouldn't have done it the way they did it. No, if I'm a new mom and I'm in that room, I'm probably, like... That's going to irritate me more than it should rationally. Because I'm and I'm probably in a space where I'm like, can you guys shut up? I'm trying to listen here. And then they're saying the exact opposite of what she's saying. That uh-uh, that would be enough to just like put me over the edge for the day. Oh, if it would have done me. But it's also, like I said, I think Natalie and Maggie's points are valid. It's just they probably shouldn't have cr- criticized the tour in that specific way. <laughs> yeah. So... Natalie finds Will and she tells him that she heard about his patient. And so while they're walking down the hall talking about it, blah, 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 she sees her patient's son and like ducks him. And Will's like, okay. And he's like, well, if you can't help your own patient, maybe you can help my patient's girlfriend with some advice. Obviously, because that patient's girlfriend was pregnant and she just lost her spouse. And Natalie's like, really? So you think that I'm going to just be able to help her because I experienced the same thing? Turns out she did. Natalie basically goes to talk to the girlfriend and like lets her cry in her arms. And so, okay, but this is a really bad segue on Will's part. Yeah, it's not great. You're like, not his best moment. Let me offer you advice. You can help me instead. Yeah. And maybe it'll help you, but probably not. A for effort, Will. Yeah. Not quite. So, Natalie goes to check on her patient who starts crashing and she's ultimately able to get her stable. And so Will brings Dr. Charles over and they're like, hey, can you run some biomarkers to see if she even had cancer in the first place? So like, we've got this whole thing going around, you know, maybe worth checking into. So basically, Nat runs into Dr. Charles and Goodwin and basically the patient's biomarkers did come back. She never had cancer making that three in one day and basically they're like someone's doing this on purpose and goodman's like i called the police and then obviously that would segue into the pd roll credits yeah it's a good one it's a good one for sure yeah i love it i love it moving into fire this one this one i had many moments in this episode where i was like Hank Voigt has his own show to this day. How did this happen? Yeah, it's kind of wild. He does some really bad things in this episode. Uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, wow. Ooh. Okay, so let's start with Casey. This is a really Casey-heavy episode. So 
we start the episode, Casey calls to check on Hallie. And he seems pretty laid back. Because remember where we left off was that, like, Hallie had just had her tire slashed. Like, mm-hmm. no small thing. No small thing. So Casey's like, I'm great. How are you? And Hallie's like, are you sure you're great? And he's like, yeah, I'm positive. Because what he's really doing is storming the ivory tower. So he goes up to whatever floor Hank is on and he goes to like Hank's got like the super sad little like cube office in like the ivory is tower. Is it the ivory tower or the precinct? That's also a good question. And a fake version of a precinct, you know, that they just had to hire for, you know, two seconds. I I, I really don't know. But either know. way, I was surprised. I feel like it looked very office-y. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why is Hank up there? Regardless of whether I like him or not, I'm like, why was he up there? For sure. Yeah, and Casey just walks on in, and the woman at the desk is like, you can't be in here, and he just barges in, and he's like, I don't care. Oh, Casey gives no fucks. It's glorious. It's glorious. I didn't realize it when Fire was the only show on the block, but, like, the power Fire had is the only show. They were just calling everybody out on their bullshit. Mm-hmm. Breaking down every door, telling everybody how to do their jobs, and it was glorious. So he gets in Boyd's face, and it's great. Stay away from me. Excuse me? I'm telling you to back off. I'm telling you, whatever garbage you have working under you, to stay the hell away from us. Sir, I don't know what this department did. I mean it. Get your ass out of my office before I throw you through that window. The threats don't work, Boyd. I'm not some scared banger begging for a look the other way. Know this. Not retracting my statement. Ever. What, you're all afraid of this guy? Huh? Someone tell me why. I was honestly kind of proud of Casey because I was like, damn, he went there. Oh, totally. And as he's walking out, he's like, you guys are so afraid of this guy. Somebody needs to tell me why. Yeah. Beautiful proud of it yeah yeah and the what store is open so like how is you're telling me everyone heard what casey you know what we're talking about and like no one's gonna do anything obviously they're all terrified of him i know but it's like damn like it's literally not like even his door was shut his door was literally wide open yeah that must be a hell of a work environment working with hank voight I can't even imagine. In an office, too. Can you imagine Hank Boyd on The Office, like the show? No, because I've never seen The Office, but yeah. You've never seen The Office? No. Oh my gosh. I would hate it, and I know I would hate it, so I'm not even going to try. You and your disdain for comedies. I don't like them. (laughs) Not, you know, not, I won't say I don't like them. I don't like a lot of them. You like talking about your father. Yeah, but I only really watched that because of, of Hillary, Hillary Duff. And even then, you were bitter because we could have had Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that happens and Casey storms out and everybody in the office is like, pretend like you didn't see anything. Oh, God, this is so scary. Crazy. So we then have one of the more gruesome calls in show history. That I can recall. This one's pretty gruesome. This guy basically mm-hmm. like sticks his arm in some like factory machinery where there's like two gears that are. T- he basically gets his arm like smushed in factory equipment. It's gruesome. Yeah. yeah. So 
after that happens, he tells Hallie about what happened because he basically he goes with Shane Dawson to Lakeshore and just kind of fills her in. And I love this because <laughs> Hallie, like sweet, sweet Hallie, she's just like, so you guys talked it out? And he's like, no, I yelled. <laughs> sweet, sweet Hallie, just trying to see the good. Um, yeah. 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 So that. So then it's Bowden's turn because Casey already called Boyd out on his bullshit. Nothing really happened. And now now it's now it's Wallace's turn. So uh, he calls Casey into his office. There's people from PD there. And, you know, the guy who's basically in charge of the precinct. I can't remember his name, but yeah, I can't remember. Oh, it's glorious because the guy is like, you're telling me how to do my job. And Bowden just straight up is like, I'm telling you to handle your precinct. Art. A lot of love. Even in the early days, Bowden just taking care of his people. Art. It's so good. It's beautiful. So Casey's like, well, fuck this. If you guys are just going to be like super incompetent, he pretty much says as much to the guy's face, which is, again, glorious. Sometimes you just got to call people on their bullshit point blank. Mm-hmm. That's the way life goes sometimes. And so he's like, well, fine. If you're not going to help, I'm just going to handle this by myself. And Bowden's just kind of like sitting there, like looking at him, like, you heard the man. What's going to happen? And so that's when Antonio goes, okay, I will lead up the investigation. I will take this over. Don't worry. And the guy who was in charge, he's like, fine by me. Whatever. Take it. I don't want it. So then poor Casey is coming home from getting some groceries and he gets jumped. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets jumped. And he is pissed, and rightfully so. Like, I totally get it. So yeah. he gets jumped. It's crazy. The guys run away, whatever. So then he's at Lakeshore, and, I mean, he is fired up. Fired up. Mm-hmm. And Bowden's just, like, super calm. And Casey's like, I'm going to find this guy. He's not getting away with this. I'm going to handle this. And Bowden's like, right now, you're going to sit where you are. You're not going to do anything. You're going to be level-headed. We're just going to, you know, we're going to handle this professionally. We're going to handle it. And even when he goes outside to talk to the guys, it's like, it's all the truck guys. So it's like Otis, Herman, Mills. And that's it, isn't it? Bruce. Mouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So even when he goes outside, you know, Mouch mentions, he's like, I would take a Halligan to the son of a bitch's house. Mouch. Wow. Yeah. Mouch got a dark side. But yeah, Bowden's like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're handling this professionally. Like, we're not, we're not stooping to his level. Like, Hank Voigt had a firefighter jumped. Yep. Ooh. So Bowden's like, no, none of you are doing that. You're going back to the house. You're going to shut up. You're going to do your job. And meanwhile, Bowden goes to a barber shop nearby. Presumably he knows this this barber. And he just tells him, he's like, look, I've got an issue with a cop, a white cop. He's dirty. I need somebody who is willing to wear a wire. So that happens. So so Bowden's like, don't worry, I got this. He's he's going to he's gonna do the dirty work. So back at work, Antonio comes to help Casey ID the attackers. And there's a little flirtation in this episode, a little Casey Dawson interaction, more so Dawson and Mills, which we'll get to. But yeah, G- Gabby comes in and she's like, I've just got to get my stuff. Like, don't mind me. And so as that's happening... Hallie calls. And so Casey's on the phone with her. And basically when Casey's like, I love you too, Gabby cannot hold her feelings in. And she quite literally looks at Antonio and rolls her eyes. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't even call it flirtation. I would call it Gabby's jealousy. Oh, so There's jealous. nothing that, like, Casey's not flirt. They're not flirting. Gabby's just jealous. Well, even after that call that was, like, super gruesome, Shay comes over and Dawson is straight up just staring at he and Hallie. Yeah. Just, like, tunnel vision. And Shay's like, That's hello. It's more jealousy than um, flirtation. I don't even think she knows it's jealousy at this point. I think she's just kind of, like, fixated no i think she's like, in denial because like how many times already has shay been like you do something about it and she's like no 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 or like when antonio's like oh you guys are together right and she's like no we're just friends and then he's like he's engaged you know like i mean i think she knows it. i just think she doesn't want to really like admit it when she doesn't have to yeah yeah so then because this just keeps getting worse hallie gets pulled over not only does she get pulled over she gets pulled over by Voight yeah if i'm getting pulled over and a guy in regular civilian clothes comes up to my window and tells me that i rolled a stop sign i'm fucking terrified yeah and i mean granted i know in the moment i probably would have been too but i also wish someone would have just been like like if hallie and i don't want to say have been smart enough because like again i probably would have been hurt in that moment too but i just wanted someone to be like you could have just recorded Voight in this moment. Like, you could have just, like, pulled out secretly your cell phone as soon as you got pulled over and, like, hope to God it was Voight or someone, you know, like, you should have just pulled out your cell phone. That would have fixed that. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing, is too, is it would have fixed it and, like, there would be no plot. But still. <laughs> and it's 2012, so the iPhone was out. Yeah, but even if the iPhone wasn't out, all phones have, like, a little bit of a recording something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was spooked and rightfully so. Because yeah, she has what I'm saying. I don't think I that would have been my first reaction either, but I'm just saying it was it was something that crossed my mind. It's like if Hallie had just recorded this, then like yeah. game over. Well, but she hasn't even put a face to a name yet. So she doesn't even know that this is Voight until he starts saying, like, tell your man to like drop the case. Cause I would really hate for things to get ugly. He threatens her. Yeah. How does he have his own show? That's a great question. I I would be curious, and I don't remember if we asked Derek this. You remember, obviously, we did that, like, Q&A with him that we did in the pilot, like, back when we did the pilot. I'm trying to remember. I would love to know, like, what made them want to do Voight as a spinoff. And I'm trying to remember if we asked Derek that. I don't, I don't think we ever did. I'm about to go look it up. Let's see here. Find those answers. Um, what? Jesus, we had so many questions. Mm-hmm. Call, casting, guest star, another character, LGBTQ, Vargas, Darden, Casey Severide. No. We've never, I don't think, asked Derek that. But it would be interesting to figure out mm-hmm. adding it down to the list of questions if we ever get to ask anybody ever any questions ever again <laughs> remember when we used to do that it was so much fun i went down through a rabbit hole today on our instagram just like i don't know why like looking at all of our past posts and i was like man i miss this I did that and when we were on our break for like a month. I did it. Like acting like the pod wasn't there. I was just like, we had so much fun. And we did so many cool things. 
Like I know we did so many things. We talked to so many people. Yeah, like like acting like it was done. And I was like, okay, this now this is sad. <sighs> yeah. You can't get rid of us ever because we we can't stop what we're doing. We just love it too much. Yeah. <laughs> so with Voight, he pulls Hallie over, he threatens her, and then later on we find out the wire thing doesn't pan out. The the kid's only in it for the money. He doesn't have the intel. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't pan out. So the very last scene of this episode is Dark Casey, y'all. Dark Casey. He is sitting in That's his I feel like a side we've never seen of him before. I mean, well, not before, but like really since then. Like when was the last, like we never see Dark Casey. That's gotta be like the darkest we've ever seen him is in this moment. I'd say the darkest, maybe you could argue the second darkest is like, um, during all the Katya stuff, like when he was going underground or undercover during all the um, sex club, <laughs> their version of the strip club. No, strip club. That wasn't a sex club. That was a strip club. I'm sorry. <laughs> but thanks to One Chicago, we know there's a difference. Yeah. But and he, but even then, he wasn't like super dark. But that's the only other thing I can even think of that comes like maybe even close I feel like he was blissfully unaware during the strip club thing with Katya. But I mean, no, he I'm wasn't. About, he... Like after. Like well, after Katya dies and they kind of finish up the whole storyline. Yeah, because he gets the one-two punch because remember Gabby's pregnant and then the Forbidden episode happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. But Casey in this moment, okay? Casey is sitting in his pickup truck under a bridge Dressed like Alinsky for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> He's got like yeah. the really like generic baseball cap on. He's got a toothpick in his mouth for absolutely no reason. Dramatic effect, Gina. Gosh. I've never seen a man chewing on a toothpick and thought, wow, this is dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's sitting in this truck. He's got the generic baseball cap on that he probably borrowed from Jay from like when he goes undercover, who knows? Chewing on a toothpick, dressed like Al, holding a halligan in his hand and watching Voight. Yeah. Was he going to Nancy Kerrigan him or something? Yeah. Or even worse. I mean, I think put Nancy Kerrigan it would have probably been like on the lighter side like i think he was gonna try to like really really do some damage doesn't a halligan weigh like 30 pounds though i mean i don't think they're light they're definitely not light because when when joe made the slam again everybody made the point of saying like that's like a 50 to 60 pound thing right so like he'd have to get a pretty damn good swing to do anything Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just I mean, thinking. but granted, he's been using it for a long time. I feel like he's probably got that part down. He knows that. <laughs> I just have the visual in my head of like one of those games at the fair when you have to like mm-hmm. hit it really hard and then it goes up. Like he just has to like start from back here. <laughs> oh man. Like what was what was your plan, Casey? Like Yeah. My other question here, how did Bowden know where Casey was? I mean, thank God he did, but how? I wonder if he, my guess is he had to like follow him or something. Good. I mean, that's my guess. Was location sharing a thing in 2012? I doubt it. 
my guess is he like Casey was my guess is like whenever they left shift or wherever they were my guess is he just followed him smart man yeah smart I mean man. I don't know that obviously but that's my guess imagine if Bowden hadn't been there Casey was gonna like follow the same footsteps as his mom he was gonna do yeah some really fucked up shit I mean granted I don't like Voight either but like still that's a line you can't cross I don't need him to like I don't need Casey to kill Voight Voight can go mm. to jail and be in jail for life or whatever but like I don't need Casey to kill him no that that's a point of no return there like that's why I'm glad yeah. Bowden followed him because he would have done something he regretted hardcore mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a wild end to an episode for sure yeah yeah okay then we've got Severide this just this this batch of episodes this week it's just craziness lots of stuff happening please take us through Severide so like I said I forgot that like this whole thing existed so basically Severide's shoulder is still really bothering him he's not doing great and he tries to ask Shay for more pain meds and she just like blows him off um so he's like okay well i gotta go get some somewhere else so he calls this girl anna and leaves her a voicemail and he's like hey i need to talk to you i need a favor and that's really all you get and it's like who the fuck is anna because mm-hmm. the only anna i can think of is the one in season five and i knew this wasn't her but like i was like who the fuck is anna right so then you get a next call you know so later call Squad gets called out to this call where two workers are, you know, who were working on the roof, like, slid off. And basically, they're stuck up there. One guy's holding the other one. And anyway, so Severide, they're working on getting them down. And Severide's holding on to one of them. And the line snaps. And so Severide has to hold on to the guy with his bad arm. And obviously, it fucks it up even more. Did you catch here how, like... Kelly was literally about to fall asleep and it was like the middle of the night and then they get this call and it's like broad daylight. No, I didn't catch that. Makes no sense. I also want to know what they rigged that harness to because it was like, there was like some wonky sort of like hinge thing on the roof that like snapped. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess. Knowing what we know about Hadley, I'm inclined inclined to just blame him. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, we cannot, but fucking happily yeah so anyway so the whole call just aggravates severide's shoulder even more um but so again so he goes back and he leaves anna another message um and then we cut to this dramatic shot of severide sitting in the shower um yeah i mean i'm never gonna explain about a severide shower scene but yeah, it's a, it's a choice. He like legit takes the showers, takes the turn to the shower. So either he's like sore from the call or like his shoulder pain is so bad that he like can't stand. Oh, but it is from a fracture in his back. So that yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Um. So then we get to meet Anna. He goes and meets Anna. She finally calls him back. They go to meet. He goes to meet Anna in this bar. And what we find out is that she's some kind of pharmaceutical rep but she also they i wouldn't know if i go so far as to call her an ex but they definitely have hooked up at least once or twice because mm-hmm. i mean i wouldn't call i don't know if i call really any of Severide's exes exes except for 
his ex-fiance but like, i think she I don't think she it. i think she thought it was a lot more serious than what yeah, it actually she was. thought she was like oh well because she's basically trying to go back there now and he's like no 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 he's like i don't need it. i know mm-hmm. he basically he still wants a favor for her but she's like only if you show up to this hotel where i'm staying at for the next couple days so yeah so basically they end up having sex and then Severide asks for the favor and he's like hey i really need you to get me something and she ends up coming, I mean, you know, she ends up coming through, which we'll get to in two seconds. And then, so earlier in this episode, Severide had continued to just snap at Vargas. When Vargas is just trying to be nice, he's just trying to fit in, you know, whatever. And Severide's taking it really hard. He's and so mean to him. Vargas. So mean to him. So mean. And of course, so by the end, Severide finally starts being nice and they run this drill. And Vargas, once he makes it to the top of the roof, all the squad guys have beer on the roof, like, yeah. But it is funny how, like, before Vargas joined squad, Tony was there, and then once Vargas joins squad, Tony's not there. Yeah. He's just, like, absent from these couple episodes. I was wondering where Tony was. I was like, did he just not come in yet? No, he comes in in the beginning because they only... They had that would have made them have three squad guys. He's there in the beginning. Mm. But okay. Anyway, I just thought it was funny. But anyway, so Hadley asked because Anna had called the uh, firehouse earlier, and but obviously Severide didn't want to talk about it. Hadley was like, "Hey, did you call that Anna girl back?" And Severide like lies, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I didn't talk to her. Whatever." We didn't do a lot of and talking. Then of course, we get it, Sev. We get it. Yeah. And, of course, though, like I said, Anna comes through, she gets him something, and she's, like, basically, like, only take this when you absolutely have to. And he's like, yeah, 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 We all know what's going to happen. Pretty much. We all know. Also, if this isn't the same morning, he just drank a beer and then popped, like, two narcotic-level painkillers. That is such yep. a no-no. Yep. And then drove a car. Yep. Exactly what they tell you not to do on the bottle. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we would expect nothing less from early days of Severide. No. I will say I do miss the old Mustang, though. Yeah. We get a good shot yeah. of it driving off. Yeah. 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 So after that with Seb, we get a little bit of Herman. Just early day. Early Herman is just classic. Yep. So Herman and the energy water. I remember this. Yeah, yep. it's, it's iconic for Herman. It really is. It really is. So he is doling out this water to everybody in the firehouse. He's like, this guy I know is just making so much money off of this. We're going to be swimming in it. It's going to be so great. Just giving water to everybody. Otis is kind of roasting him for it. All that good stuff. So all of this stuff, all of this water, it's taking up so much space in the garage. And Cindy's like, so my dad wants to know when he can put his snowblower back in there. And Herman's like, no, like, I'm doing this for a good reason. Like, we need space. We need the house, all that stuff. Like, this is good. Well, Herman finds out that he has invested in an MLM pyramid scheme, basically. And he's talking to Otis and he's like, I am fucked. He's basically just like, I, you know, I can't say no to any of this stuff. It's non-refundable. I got caught in a pyramid scheme. Don't tell Cindy. And Otis is just like, you know, non-refundable is a term made up by lawyers, right? And he's like, I'll fix this. Don't worry. (laughs) 
So Herman gets on the phone with his energy water company and basically pretends to be a lawyer. And it's mean Otis. Who did I say? You said Herman. Otis. Otis. Yeah. So Otis gets on the phone, pretends to be a lawyer. It's glorious. It's very, very funny. Uh, I was pretty impressed. He's like, well, you know, Consumer Reports, Better Business Bureau, blah, blah, blah. He's like, as set forward by the case, like Langley versus blah, 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 1985, just pulling names out of his ass. He just rolls with it, though. Yeah. It's really funny. It's really, really funny. And so at the end, he's like, yeah, send it to the address on file. And Herman's like, what the fuck, dude? And Otis just goes, I just told them where to send the refund. And Herman's just like over the moon. And that's that's about it. It's funny. Yeah. Otis. It's really funny. I hope Otis is doing well in Chicago heaven and just carrying on being Otis. Yeah. I wish. I hope so. I hope so. I hope he's like, yeah, I hope he's like fucking around with Benny Severide, just like playing pranks on him and just like pissing him off. Yeah. Oh, one Chicago heaven. One Chicago heaven indeed. Then we've got Gabby. Yep. A little Gabby. A little Gabby. So Gabby has received a written warning about what she did back in the pilot. And she thinks it's bullshit and everyone else and Mount just like reassures her. He's like, listen, this is going to just go in your file. He's like, I will, I'm going to even try to circumvent that. Like, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. So then 61 goes on a call and they're trying to work on this guy. Um, and his friend is basically being like a really fucking asshole. And trying to basically, like, not let Shay and Gabby work because he's being an asshole. And so they get the guy who's injured into the ambulance, finally. And the friend is like, I'm coming with you. And Gabby's like, "Mm, actually, you're not. And he tries to, like, push his way into the ambulance. So Gabby literally kicks the guy. And she makes a snarky comment. And, yeah. It's kind of great, though. I actually thought it was the opposite. Really? I thought it, I mean, again, I'm of the school of thought that people just need to be called out on their shit. It was, I I thought it was funny. I think I have no problem with like her actually doing what she did. I guess my problem is, it's like, I don't think the comment was necessary. And I think, especially knowing that like, she's already kind of in hot water. I think she should have just like, maybe kicked the guy and been like, it was self-defense, you know, like, I think she could have maybe gone that route, but I think it was the comment that puts it over the top. Yeah, okay, the, the comment she didn't need, but it was also very it's Gabby. Like, I, especially, like, it's not even like a, hey, get out of my way kind of comment, like, you're messing up, whatever. She's basically like, nana, boo-boo, like, that's basically <laughs> what she does. I would, I would expect nothing less from Gabby. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of my issue with it is I feel like it, it very early on, it's like kind of reminding me the reasons why I don't necessarily care for Gabby. But it just, it, it felt very much like, nana, nana, boo, boo, I did this and you suck. Like, it just <laughs> like, I was like, I don't need this. Like, I don't need this. That's funny. But anyway, so basically 
now the guy who she kicked is gone to the city and complained about her. But, and so, of course, this is two within a very, very short period of time. So, the paramedic chief guy, whose name I can never remember. Hatcher! No, I don't think that's Hatcher. I, I'm pretty sure it was. Was that Hatcher? I think it was. was. I think so. I thought Hatcher was another guy. Mm-mm. Um, anyway, whoever it was, he's basically like, well, this could mean suspension. And Gabby's like, really? And, I mean, yeah, he's basically like, this could mean suspension. She is in rare form, too. I just, I love how she keeps talking back. And she's like, well, what's there to debate? Whether I kicked him with one foot or two? And, like, nobody stops her. I think that's the thing about Gabby, though, is I feel like you either love that about her or you hate it about her. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like sometimes it can be, you know, okay, and sometimes it cannot. But I feel like it... It really just to me is like what they build up on is just like why I couldn't stand her by the end. Most of the time I loved it. There were some times where I was like, Gabby, just stop. Like you're making it worse. Also, you were right. It is Chief Hatcher. I definitely did not remember that. that I thought Chief Hatcher was somebody else. And I, I only caught it because I literally watched it like right before we recorded. So I like it's fresh in my brain. Maybe was there a Hatcher somebody on PD? That's like a white guy? No, I think you're thinking of Commander Fisher. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Too many names. Too many people. <laughs> so she's feeling down, obviously, because she's like, well, maybe I'm going to end up being suspended and I didn't really do anything wrong. Blah, blah, blah. So she's like, okay, well, where do you want to go? And she's like, actually, I'm going to go cook. Because she and Mills have been like kind of flirty, flirty, but not totally flirty. And they had had this moment earlier in the episode where she had, like, heated up some leftovers, some chicken mac and cheese, and he, like, tries to taste. And, you know, so they're kind of bonding over that. So she's like, no, I'm going to go cook. So then it cuts to the scene where she's cooking for Mills, which is really cute. And they're, like, building their friendship. And it's very cute. I think for what they were, they were adorable. Yeah. I mean, they were never going to be anything, like, super serious. And that's okay. He uh, was they, always, he, it was very obvious from the beginning that he was, like, the person that was going to, like, make Gabby realize, you know, her feelings for Kate. You know, like, that, I mean, like, that was always what he was supposed to be. And in that, he served his role well. I'm telling you, in the white space in my head, they found their way back to each other. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't either. But, so... Like I said, he goes, she goes, cooks for Mills. And basically later on, she gets a call from Mouch that they have scheduled a hearing. So she potentially may end up suspended. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. That's fire. Any other notes on fire? No, I mean, good, good episode. I think, isn't the next episode the one where Voight plants the drugs at Casey and Hallie's or at Casey's place? Remember in like the oven and then the PD shows up and they have to like figure out what to do with all the cocaine. I think so. I think that's next episode, right? All of these episodes in like the first 10, ep- the first 10 episodes of one, they all blur together. Cause like I thought Vargas. Every was episode, episode blurs three. together for me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is I remember major arcs like I, or even just like things like that. Like I'm like, yeah, I remember when Kate Voight planted the drugs in Casey's house. Yeah. 
But if you told me like what episode is that, I'm like, what? Uh huh. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The no first idea. 10 blur together. And then like, I would say like 10 through like 16 are just kind of like, I don't remember them. And then I think, no, Hallie dies in like, Hallie dies in the penultimate. No, she dies in 21. No. Yeah, 20 or 21, because then you have the PD backdoor, which basically solves Hallie's death, and mm-hmm. then you get the later on, and then you get the finale, which is the jail call where, and then Cindy's giving birth. I think 16 might be when Shay and Dawson get hit by the Ambo, or they get hit by a truck or something, and Shay gets hurt, and Severide's just, like, terrified. Yeah. And, like, when does Renee come into all of this? Towards the end. Because that's season one, too. It is. But you also have Kelly's first Renee, the fiance Renee, that storyline, remember? We meet her too. That's what I'm saying. But the brother, remember the brother comes back and he's worried and blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm saying. But like, when is that? It's all just one big episode to me. When is that? I have no idea. No idea. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Mm -hmm. It's PD time. Let's stretch it. This is one of my favorite early episodes. I love this I really one. like this. I love this episode. This yeah. is such a good one. So we have covered this one before. But the reason we've covered it before is because I have the script. Yeah. I got the script to this about mm, eight years ago, soon to be nine, which is crazy to think about. But You got it that long ago? It was a long time ago. It, it was basically when I was like, I want to write a pilot. Uh, and so I wrote a spec script of an episode of PD. I did it. I did that thing. That happened. It's out there in my inbox and none of you will ever see it. Just my friends will. Um, but yeah, I've had it. I've had it for a really long time. It's crazy. So yeah, we have the script for this one. I love this one. This is just classic epitome of season one. It's so good. It is so, so good. So good. And it's fun when you have the script to like compare and contrast to. And this has, a, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like hugely different, but there's definitely things where it's like, oh no, this is moved here. This makes no sense. This is scene has changed. Like it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we start this one and basically Maurice has done some shit again. So Voight gets there and Maurice and his boys are in trouble and Maurice is like, hey, I need you to get my boys off on this one, too. And it was like, no, <laughs> like, hell no. Um, and so Maurice starts gloating and Voight smacks him across the face. And, you know, Maurice is like, my bad. And he's like, tell the cop. And then Maurice is just like, my bad. Like, womp womp. Uh, so basically, that's where Voight is. He's helping Maurice with, you know, dirty stuff. So then we cut over. Well, hold on. And- but this whole that whole thing is like in the script, like, Oh, like literally a scene later like it's not what opens the episode is jane antonio is what open is that what opens it in the yeah script? it like flips it flips. I, haven't looked at, I haven't looked at the script in a long time admittedly well i couldn't find the script i just remember from when we talked about did it did i never it's... forward it to you i'm sorry let me fix that no, I, it's I, fine. I, I found it in my email the minute you asked me for it but my phone was not cooperating that's fine but I found it in the deep, yeah. dark corners of my inbox. There were cobwebs on I it. I tried to see if I could find it in mine from where you probably would have sent it to me the first time and I couldn't find it. My goodness. Peter's so slow. So 
from there, we go over to Jay and Antonio bonding in the gym. The old school season one days of like that. Yeah. Where they would bond and spend time together and make cracks at each and other. And talk about shit. And talk about shit. Yeah. So good. So Antonio, or no, Jay's just like, you know, Jay's like sparring or whatever. And he's like, so like, is wood dirty? And Antonio's just like, I am not touching that question. Nope. No, thank you. So Antonio just like says, he's like, look, I almost went down the tubes in vice. And that's about the time I stopped judging other cops. Yep. Definitely don't remember that. Nope. Not one bit. No. Uh, You made a good question here in the outline, though. You said was Antonio substance abuse. Was it alluded to five episodes into the series? What is it? Yeah. What exactly does down the tubes mean, Antonio? I assume that means I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Very well could have been alluded to. We could catch. Good catch. So yeah, and then Jay says, Jay just goes, I'm not asking for judgment. I'm asking for a definition. Do I learn from him or do I keep my distance? And Antonio says both. And I think that scene lends some clarity as to why he left. Because I mean, in the army, everything's black and white right it's one or the other there's no middle ground on that and i think 10 years of you know having to kind of toe that line of you know learn from him keep your distance jay just had enough eventually i feel like that's you making up an excuse for why jay left i don't think that's accurate at all i'm having upset issues Bryna. okay work with me here i yeah I can't come to terms with it. It didn't even happen to me. And I'm still like shattered by it. No, I know. Can't. I'm just, I'm trying to make sense of it. I don't know. I want us to love him, but then he like did what he did to Haley. Yeah. I'm fine. I swear. I have no upset issues. No remaining upset feelings at all. I'm fine. None whatsoever. No, I'm fine. Damn it. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. So Antonio just is both. So Aaron and Justin show up and Justin is just very cold to Jay. Like it, it's kind of funny. Does not like him at all. No, not one bit. Not one bit. Nope. So later on, Jay and Aaron are kind of discussing Justin's attitude and, and you know, Jay's just like, I don't think it's so much that I'm a cop. I think it's more so that Justin thinks I'm your boyfriend. Uh, and they have their cute little banter of like you wish no you wish blah blah blah, and Voight just kind of sees it yeah and this apparently I, I like you said I haven't looked at the script again recently but this takes place like much later on in the script yeah yeah so you have in the outline here asking you know when do we think Camille died and one of our patrons actually did the dirty work on that so our patron Jess uh, has been keeping a very detailed timeline since the beginning. So after we do these episodes, she usually will send us a message and kind of help make sense of things. So in an earlier episode, it might've been episode like two or three, they mentioned that Camille died six years prior. Was so it two or three? I don't think it's two or three. I think we would have caught that. She, so Jess, Jess made the point of saying it. So let me, let me see what Jess's message said. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, go back and find what you had sent me. Hmm. 
You had sent me a screenshot of it. Hold on a second. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go. So Jess says, it was stated that Camille died six years ago in 310, and that's January of 2016, which means she- Yeah, I was going to say, there's no, I was, yeah, I was going to okay. say, it definitely was not in episode two or three or would have caught it already. Okay, so she dies in 2010, Justin's born in 92, so he is 18? Yeah. Okay. Aaron's older. We don't know by how much, though. So she's probably like 20 or 21. Well, yeah, but if this is 2014, so yeah, it would have just been a couple years early. So that means Justin's like, what, 22 at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So 22 and he's already done a year in jail. Damn. Oof. Yep. Yeah. So... Ruza gets dropped off for work by Wendy and like a cute little mini Cooper. Just adorable. Um, and, you know, Wendy's like, you know, we don't forget we have to plan this dinner. And he's, I, just, I love when he calls her baby. It's always with the same tone. He's like, baby, my parents haven't been in the same room since my high school graduation. It's yeah. just funny. It's just funny. But Al just happens to be out there at the same time. And so Al meets her, even though, you know, Ruzik had never mentioned him to her at all. It's just so funny because she's just looking at him and he's like, oh, I'm Adam's partner. And she's like, he never told me he had a partner. And he's like, good. He's following protocol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so cute. So cute. So there's a deleted scene in the script. There's a scene in the script that did not make the episode between Bergewater and she's asking yeah. about Ruzik. So funny. So she basically is like, what, what is Adam's deal? And Kevin just says, he skipped over patrol, went right upstairs, didn't graduate yet. And she's like, no, what's his deal? And Atwater just looks at her and is like, ask his fiance. So there's a version of this where Burgess is kind of sniffing around pretty early. Yeah, I was going to say, because obviously up until this point, they've never even really crossed paths. Not at all. Yeah, not at all yet. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. So... Platt gives Atwater and Burgess the keys to this new car. And he's like, she's like, listen, you guys went above and beyond last week. Like, here's the keys. But Commander Perry is driving this in a parade on Saturday. So, like, you so much scratch this car up. Like, I will come for you. Yeah. And as they're driving, they come across a young woman in a bikini top. And she's, like, covered in blood. She's holding, like, a broken beer bottle. And she's got, like, gashes across her stomach. And she attacks Atwater. Like, Yeah. Yeah, so she attacks Atwater. He ends up crashing into the car mirror, which then breaks it. But Burgess basically tases her to, you know, get her to stop. And mm -hmm. so I do love all the crap they give Atwater when they get to med. Because, like, when they get to med, Burgess is like, yeah, white female coming from Cabo, whatever. And Aaron just looks at him and is like, female white gave you a hard time, huh? Yeah. So funny. So all she had on her, this girl who came in from Cabo, all she had was a ticket that shows she landed at O'Hare that morning from Cabo. She had 30 balloons of cocaine inside her stomach. Crazy. Ow! Yeah, I can't even imagine. Obviously. I, yeah. Yeah. So what happened was that one of the balloons had broken open and started to dissolve in her stomach. And that's why she was on the street with a broken beer bottle and attacked Atwater. Yep. Yep. 
Meanwhile, Antonio is just like, like the, the doctor just straight up pulls out this like medical pan of like these balloons that were inside of her stomach. And Antonio just like puts gloves on and just starts looking at him. Like nobody's grossed out. Nobody's just like, this is weird. Antonio's just like, oh, hey, look, balloons of cocaine. Cool. Yeah. Well, really condoms of cane. Cocaine. What? They're condoms. They're not balloons even. I mean, oh, balloons, oh. Being, you know. Yeah, you're but right. They, they, they make it, they're like, oh, yeah, they're condoms. Yeah, yeah. And Antonio points out that, like, this was not done by a professional crew at all because he's like, oh, there's air bubbles in here. Like, this is not professional. Well, today I learned that if you're going to smuggle cocaine, you got to make sure there's no air bubbles. Thank you, Chicago PD, for a fact I will probably never use. Yep. Thanks. So the Bridgewaters have now fucked up the mirror, meaning they are so screwed. Because they can't take it to the police garage because that's going to take a month. Platt's going to know all of that stuff. And Kevin has a different idea. So he takes it to a friend of his. And the friend is basically just like, it'll be like $500 and we'll get it fixed that same day. But Bergewater is so brand new that they're broke. So 500 bucks. They're so broke. They're so broke. So 500 bucks is a lot for them. A lot. Kevin's like, I could get it to you in gift cards. <laughs> didn't he say they were like radio chat gift card i feel like it was like something that's not doesn't even exist anymore no i think he said footlocker oh footlocker that was it that was it that's another good one for trivia where does that water have the gift cards to yeah uh i noted it the first time we covered this but the friend is actually played by chris red who is now a regular cast member on saturday night live i still funny. have no idea who that is yeah kind of funny so the gift cards. Oh my God. And poor Burgess. She's like, I won't have 250 till we get paid on Friday. Broke little babies. Broke. Yeah. So Jin does some digging because don't forget, Jin is still around at this point. But barely. Again, I think he's in like one. I mean, this may be his only scene of the episode. Like he's not in this. I, I thought he was around way more than he is. It's this and Nat being pregnant. Every episode, I remember it again for the first time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Nat's pregnant still. That's right. I'm like, oh, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. episode is the first time. So funny. Yeah. So Jen found the girl's name and there were four tickets total that were purchased with this credit card. So basically she became a drug mule and then recruited her friends to doing it as well. And yeah. it's not the only trip this girl has taken. She's been back and forth between Cabo like two times in three months. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh so as the team is heading out to go to the, the school the college Voight pulls Jay aside you like working in this unit you keep it in your pants I didn't know it was out Aaron's off limits end of discussion Jay's line will never not be funny this is so uncomfortable though it's yeah I mean I, and Voight's like way out of line but Jay's line will never not be funny no, it, it's definitely it's definitely funny, but this is also Voight making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And also having a say in her dating life, which is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Not great. But it is funny. <laughs> I didn't realize it was out. Yeah. Jay. Oh my goodness. So they pull up to the school, they check all three girls' rooms, and they don't find any of them. But they do find one of the girls' resident, or RA, basically. I can't remember what RA stands for. Fuck. I'm resident old. advisor. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. 
been out of college a long time. Oh, well, yeah, been out of college a long time. Yeah, so the RA was attacked, and she says that two guys had come and taken Alicia, but that's all she knows. So Antonio then hears a girl scream in the parking garage, but a black van pretty much ends up escaping before he can do anything about it. Brian, will you take it from here? Yeah. So Jay and Lindsay are hanging out in the waiting room and Lindsay mentions like needing a drink after all of this. And she's like, hey, do you want to go join me? And he's like, I don't think my your dad would like that. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, what do you think I'm talking about? Oh, man. And, but this is like it's slightly different in the script. So apparently in the script, it was originally supposed to take place at the district. And then they get called back to the hospital at the end of the scene. And Lindsay originally asked him to go with her to Captain Franchetti's retirement party at a bowling alley. <laughs> and Jay's like, well, that sounds like fun, but I don't think your dad would like it. And she's like, my dad? And Jay's like, "Void." he told me you're off limits. So it was slightly different. That could have been foreshadowing. We never got the resolution to that, but. Yeah. <laughs> but. So Jay and Lindsay go in and interrogate Amber, but she doesn't want to give up the guy she's smuggling for. And, you know, Aaron's just trying to point out to her, like, look, you're lucky we found you and you're going to end up with a scar in your stomach. You're going to be fine. She's like, but your friends, you know, they'll likely OD, end up in some alley. Like, they're going to nod it up in great place. So she finally gives it up that it was her boyfriend and his brother, Sean and Brendan Collins. And he's like, you know, they promised us $5,000, blah, blah, blah. And Amber tells them they hang around this tattoo shop. So Voight's like, Alan Ruzik, you're going to go stake it out. <laughs> this is that episode. So Alan Ruzik go to the store and stock up supplies for the stakeout. And, you know, they're stacking on snacks. And Al throws in the adult diapers. Like, it's an <laughs> iconic scene. Like, and them just bickering at the grocery store is just the best. I mean, we really did not get enough of those moments. No, we really didn't. I And, like... And now it kind of feels like Al doesn't exist. Like, I know Boyd went to his grave last season, but, like, it would be nice to see Al just kind of, or not Al, but Adam just kind of mention him in passing one or two times. Yeah. Oh, my God. I need a fanfic where Al or Adam basically, like, sits with Michaela and tells her about Al. Oh, my God. Yes. I was just, I was literally just thinking about, like, even if he just mentioned it to, like, Michaela, that would be fine with me. Or, like, she finds an old picture and she's like, Mom, Dad, who's this? Yeah, or like Adam goes to the gravesite and she's like, "Why are we coming here?" Like, you mm, know, can somebody yeah. write that fic, please? Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I never finish any of the ones I start. Um, <laughs> uh, so Antonio interrogates the mom, which is a a scene that happens way later in the script, like way later. So. She's like, Amber couldn't have done that. And Antonia's like, she did, in fact, do that. She's going to have a scar forever to prove that she did that. And Antonia's, like, trying to relate to her as a parent. He's like, you can't watch them every second. Like, at least she's alive. Obviously, because, like, given what he just went through, you know, if anyone can kind of relate to some tragic stuff happening, it's it's him. So... Ruzik and Al are on the stakeout and Wendy keeps calling because they're supposed to be having this big dinner and Al's like you got to keep up the task on the hand and Ruzik so Ruzik ends up having to ignore the call from Wendy um he's not totally happy about it but he does end up having to ignore the call from Wendy so they're in the bullpen and Voight tells everyone to keep digging and Lindsay's like hey I need to speak with you one-on-one so they go in his office and we get this 
The overprotective father thing was fine when I was a teenager, but I don't need you looking out for me anymore. It's Hulse that I'm looking out for. I've seen what happens to the guys you date. What is that supposed to mean? You left a string of broken hearts behind you since you're 15. I need Halstead 100% effective not throwing pebbles at your window at 3 in the morning. You don't get to tell me who I can and can't hang out with on my personal time. My unit, my rules. You want to date a cop? There are plenty of other districts out there. Yeah. Cringe. Yeah. It's so cringe. very cringe. Very inappropriate. I get that Lindsay lived with you. Like, I get that that's like a completely different dynamic because, you know, I mean, Voight basically raised her in her teenage years. Like, I get that. But still, not appropriate. No, no. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And, like, not to assume, right? Like, yeah, I guess, like, what Void's assuming is based on, like, chemistry and, like, the way they interact. But, like, literally nothing has even happened up until this point between no, and like Hall said. You're telling me that. Like, so, so what happened every time you saw Jules and Antonio banter? Did you assume something was going on there? Right. It's, like, just so based on assumptions. And it's, like, literally nothing has ever happened before. Yeah. Ever. So, yeah. It's totally fucked up. So, they end up getting a ping on one of the guy's vans. So, they go after it. And we end up with, like, epic car chase with Brendan. And it's, like, just always fun to read, like, when you're going through the scripts. Because we've seen one or two of them, for sure. Or I have. Um like just the like descriptions for like action sequences mm -hmm. it's always very cool it is yeah it is uh, cool it I, it's so crazy to coordinate and like the way they pull it off is just yeah. insane like the way that it goes from like paper to what we see on the screen is truly wild yeah so the van ends up getting crashed into by a truck and brendan is now dead and so they, of course, go to try to look in the back of the van for the girls. And, of course, they're not in there. So Ruzik and Al are still in their stakeout. And Ruzik tries to slip away to call Wendy and tell her he can't make the dinner. But Al catches him and says what he does. And he just <laughs> throws the phone off the roof again. Oh, my God. Truly amazing. So good. So back with Bridgewater. Bridgewater is hanging out at the garage waiting for the car when they get the call and it's 10 blocks away but since they don't have their car they have to run and so they speed over to this little like convenience store and a woman's trying to steal of a bread to feed her kid and the guy wants to have, have her arrested but Burgess and Atwater do the right thing they turn the tables on the guy you know they're like oh that's some expired licenses okay cool some wires over there yeah you know, basically being like, we could point all this out if you don't just like let her go. So he See, ends up this letting is, her go. This is the Birdwater moment that I remember over the situation with the hoarder last week. Like this is the one yeah. that sticks out. Oh, I definitely remembered the hoarder more than this one. But this is I once I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. But <laughs> um so Lindsay meets up oh. with Justin outside of the district because Justin left his wallet in her car. And he's still annoyed with Jay. He, mm -hmm. like, makes a comment about Jay. And she's like, chill. Like, chill. And she's like, oh, well, why aren't you at your CTA training class? And he's like, well, I didn't have my ID. I couldn't go to class. And she's just concerned. And especially even more so when his friend pulls up to pick him up. 
And he's like, no, everything's good. I'm fine. Like, I will go to class. I promise. Like, I just didn't have my ID. It's fine. So, Voight and Hall said, make a stop by the social club. And they talked to Gavin Collins, who is the uncle for these two kids. And he's just like, this morning I had two nephews. You want to explain that? And Voight goes all Voight on him. And then asks him to try to get the address of the stash house. And, like, Jay is terrified. Yeah. Again, the- even kind of going back to his conversation with Antonio, he doesn't know whether to, like, learn from Voight or fear Voight. Yeah. I, I, the police brutality is pretty gratuitous in season one. It's really bad. It's really bad. Really, really bad and excessive. And, I mean, I always have known it's bad, but, like, really rewatching it like this, it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. Yeah. Because there was even in that scene earlier where, like, he Voight slaps Maurice. And the other guy, the other cop, is just, like, literally watching it happen and, like, doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not great. So, you cut to intelligence, of course. It's, like, literally, he's, like, what's the address of the stash house? And then it, like, shows them rolling up to the stash house. So, like, obviously he gave it to them. And they break in, and basically they find this makeshift lab of, like, materials to cut cocaine and the dead body of one of the girls. And so the ME, or the, you know, the medical examiner says that whoever did this, like, cut into the condom balloons and destroyed the cocaine. So, of course, there's, like, no way they're going to afford to do that with the other two girls. And you had pointed this out originally, that apparently that's the same ME that Kevin flirted with in 501. Those That's two, what, that was a you. They had a moment in five hundred one. I remember that, and yeah, <laughs> she's that. They never went back. You said to that. this is apparently the same girl. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it, it it was to me. I gotta double check that and make sure I'm correct. But pretty sure it's the same me. Which like nothing. They they need to go back to that because they were cute. Yeah. So Voight gets a text about some business, and everyone just kind of gives him a weird look, and you know, but they go about business as normal. So back at the bullpen, oh, okay, I'm sorry. This is Jen's. This is the only two scenes that we get Jen in in this episode. I said the <laughs> other one was his only scene. This is that we get two Jen scenes. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, Jen's so, here. Yeah. So Jen is basically able to pull the call history from the guy's phone. He made calls to his brother, but also this guy named Ryan Porter, who, of course, has a long rap sheet. But what they also note is that he worked for a paramedic for three different companies and gets fired from all of them. So Antonio is like, I bet he's this play doctor, which is basically like an EMT who, you know, because they work for like a private ambulance company and make such little money, they basically like make extra cash on the sides for fighting like under the table services oh my yeah so Boyd goes to see gratishar and mcpherson at some random hotel and this is the scene listen sergeant the only reason you got your badge back is because of your arrangement with ia and the state's attorney's office you're going backwards at this rate unless you get us some heavy case on paper you're done i just found a disemboweled girl I got two more out there that could end up the same. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get back to work. If you don't honor our deal, you are going back to prison. Yeah. I still don't know what Wade's doing. Yeah. 
and and they don't really know what Voight's doing. <laughs> I mean, granted, not on that I'm not that I'm on either of their sides either, but it's like they really don't have any idea what he's doing, obviously. Voight's like, got backwards motives. It's yeah. But e- even going back to fire when he's like fucking with Casey and Hallie, I'm like, wasn't he like not actually trying to be bad, but was bad? I'm I don't even fucking know. I have no idea. I'm confused. No, I think at that point he was just bad. He got his own show. He planted drugs <laughs> on a firefighter and got his own show. No, I think at that point he was just bad. I think it's after that, like when he comes back at the end of one, that he's like, good. Well, bad, but good. I don't know. Anyway. So... Burgess and Atwater get their car back and they don't have all the money. And so, but basically, but because he heard what Burgess did for the woman at the store, he's going to give them a discount and basically just take what they got. Um, so while they're still on their stakeout, Ruzik and Al get a text from Jen with a picture of the Porter guy, the EMT or one of the EMT. And all of a sudden a car pulls up and the driver gets out with an EMT bag. And then another car pulls up and the other brother and the two girls get out. So, of course, they're on it. So, they go outside the building, and they hear a woman scream, and Ruzik reacts. Basically, Al is like, hey, we're not going in until everyone else gets here. And when they hear the woman scream, Ruzik, what does Ruzik do? He reacts and goes in, even though they, Al told him, like, no way, don't, you're not doing this. I remember this, yeah. Yeah. So... He finds the guy, scalpel in hand, literally cutting into one of the girls. But basically, like, they get a hold of Porter and Collins and another one of their thugs, you know, escapes out the back or whatever. And Burgess and Atwater chase after him and get him down. And Voight compliments them after that. And he's like, you know, that's the kind of effort that'll get you into my unit. And, like, he walks away and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just complimented it. Like, that's how they react. It's, like, kind of wild, but that's how they react. The first stamp of approval yeah um so as they walk away of course so they're going back to their car where they left it and burgess and i wanted to see some like cinder blocks from this random scaffolding in the middle of a sidewalk like crash right onto the patrol car like super random (laughs) so of course they have to pull back in the 21st district and platt's like waiting for them and she's of course not pleased she mad at all yeah. So Voight shows up to Lindsay's later that night. And of course, he's concerned about Justin. And he's like, I've been tracking Justin's cell. And like, okay. And Voight's like, he was hanging out with this guy, Joseph Catalano, the, uh, you know, and who Aaron saw the other day, but doesn't tell Voight that she saw him, Justin, with this guy. And he was apparently, they were in Stateville together and got he got paroled last week. And so Aaron's like, listen, like, I'll keep an eye on Justin, like, just go home. So we go back into the apartment and Aaron is not alone. Jay is there. And in the script, this description says Lindsay steps to him close enough to kiss. And they're definitely pretty close to it. Um, And, you know, they're just like thank you she's like you know thank you for being there and he's like you've been there for me before and it's just like early Lindstead is so good they were so good 
They were so good. So, so good. good. So Ruzi shows up to oh, and then she's basically like, I gotta go. And Jay's like, okay. Nothing, you know, whatever. Oh my god. So Ruzik shows up to Linsky's garage and he tries to apologize, but Al is not having it. Al, you were right. I shouldn't have rushed in there without you, and I'm you know, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You know, I took a chance on you, man. Every, there, there are moments when I think you could be a great cop, and other moments working with you is like spinning a cylinder in Russian roulette. You could be right, but you can be dead right. You know what I want you to do? Go work for Michigan Avenue for some other cushy assignment. Get married, check out before you kill the both of us. I'm trying to remember, is the next episode, is that when Ruzik gets demoted and starts working with Burgess, or is that later on? It could be the next one. I think the next one is when Aaron runs into that girl from high school, and then she and Jay go to that, like, party or something. I thought that was later. Not by much. I mean, yeah, well, PD's only 14 episodes, so it definitely can't be much, but... I don't know. Again, I remember all those things, but it's like timeline. I don't remember which episode they happened in. Yeah. No idea. So Antonio walks out into the district, you know, at the end of the night and is approached by Gratishar and just like, I want to formally introduce myself and let you know that you can always come talk to us, blah, blah, blah. And Antonio's like, what makes you think I need to talk? And they're just like, well, because you're a good cop. And I hate to see a good cop tainted by a bad one. So Voight was bad. And then he started working with Gratishar. And he was appearing bad, but was actually good. And now Gratishar is trying to check with Antonio if he really is just straight up bad. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but it's also, like, that's a lot of pretending. Yeah. But. It's too much. And then, yeah. And then the episode ends, Lindsay confronts Justin's friend, Catalano, in a bar and basically tells him to stay away from Justin. And according to the script, the Catalano walks out of the bar, sees a brick of heroin, in the passenger seat, and then Lindsay approaches the window and tells him to stay away. And Bam. Off. So, Lindsay was taking, like, a void approach in that moment. Very much so. But, obviously, that's not how it goes in. Um, yeah. You think Aaron still talks so. to Hank? I assume so, but who knows? I don't think they're the people who, like, talk all the time. Absolutely not. No. But, I mean, he partially raised her. That's not a relationship you let just, like, fall by the wayside. Well, that's what I'm saying. And it's not like they really ended on, like, bad terms. So, I mean, you know, her and Jay left on bad terms. Like, you know. Yeah. So. This is such a good episode, though. I like this episode a lot. It is a really, really good one. Yeah, I do love that one. Also, I looked up the medical examiner. 
She's been, well, this particular actress has been the medical examiner in 14 different episodes. And, but not in 501. It was 503. What? And 55 and 510. I've sworn she was the same. Are you sure? Because I, I don't even remember 501. Are you sure that it wasn't just a later episode? Dude, I don't remember 501 right now. I remembered 501 <laughs> when we did this outline the first time. That's what I'm saying. I don't remember. But anyway, she that is not her then, apparently. Her last appearance was in season, like the beginning of season six. But she's been in, like I said, four, she was in 14 episodes. Damn, then where'd she go? Outwater needs a love interest. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the last time she was there was beginning of season six. Damn. <laughs> so long ago. I missed them. Oof. But yeah. That's about all we've got for today. So just a mm-hmm. good batch of episodes. Yeah. Solid, solid week. Indeed. Indeed. I'm like, what are we getting ourselves into next week? Well, into... Well, well after we take a break. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of so. enjoying being surprised. and being like, oh, that's this episode. We're getting close yeah. to PD's first crossover with SVU. I literally just Googled it and I'm that's the next episode. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's good stuff. So all right. Well, that's not all we've got for this week. So as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Hey, I brought I spat it, I said it. It rambled it off with no problem. Uh yeah, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything meet us at mollies at gmail.com no but really email us guys we're lonely we don't have shows to talk about and we're sad so email us please we like to talk about Mm -hmm. other things uh yeah so that's going on if you would like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month check the link in our socials to our patreon page check our t public store if you have questions about the patron group please ask us because we it's it's the best it's the best. We've just got a little like family in there. It's awesome. Not so little anymore, but it's great. Yeah. Um, schedule wise, here's what's going on. So I am headed to Europe next week. I will be there for about two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. So you will not hear from us again until the week of October 10th. That'll be the next time you hear from us. So we're going to take those weeks off. I'm going to go scream my head off for Simone Biles. Yay. Yeah, you'll hear from us October 13th. Yes. So, yeah. All right. In the meantime, everybody have a great couple weeks. Watch some shows. Chill. Watch football. Do whatever you want. And yeah, we will see you in two weeks. Bye.